Hi folks, I am looking at my notes for this week and uh, my content warning says military. We're talking to a military spouse this week. Ah. So uh, there will be discussions of that life. Uh, also, we have a lot of animals. One of whom is currently licking her hind end very enthusiastically right in front of me. And the other who is sitting on my, another who's sitting on my desk right now waiting to be pet. Yes, Orange, you're a good cat. Um, and finally, we swear often Frequently. at one of the animals. Yes, in uh, particular. And yes, a, a very specific cat in this house. Although occasionally I will yell or, or say something about chickens being chickens. So that's... I believe your usual phrase is fucking chickens, man. Yeah, they do. they're weird animals sometimes. They yeah. really are. So, hi, folks. Welcome to Productivity Alchemy, episode 214. So, we're, I guess, a fifth of the way, a little over a fifth of the way through year four. And year five. Year five. Damn. Yeah, uh, August has lasted about ten minutes, apparently. It, it feels like it, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm just looking at my, my calendar and going, dang, I've got through a... Um, People scheduled to appear through November, and then I've got to start. I've got to start scheduling the next round soon. I have some fantastic interviews coming up for all y'all. I'm really excited about a lot of these. Um, so yeah, cool. so many cool things. Um, so how was your week? Uh, so far, so good. I have been head sort of down in a development mode again because I'm trying to put together a script to automate a lot of the uh, another chunk of manual work I've been doing so which is like I have all of the back end automation for it now like once I I have written a particular kind of file I have all the tools to just sort of push a button and make things happen, you know, magic. Uh, the problem is that I still have to handwrite the one file copying values from a spreadsheet. So I'm trying to get that done. Alrighty. Yeah, fun times. Um, but yeah, uh, otherwise, you know, uh, things keep moving forward. I'm very happy. Uh, having a good time. Yay! Uh, got to hear my the new director of SREU's uh, both more traditional swears and bollocks in an Ask Me Anything session. He's from he's from Ireland, and I love him. <laughs> uh, and maybe one day I'll have him on the show. We'll yeah. see. I'll have to talk to him about that. So yeah, that's that's me. Now you have today is is a today milestone. I finished the horror novel that has been yes. wrecking me for. Months and uh, yes, I it hit the stage where it was close to the end, and I just had to. I was like, I had written well over a thousand words, but I was like, nope, we're we're finishing this up today. Uh, so yeah, and I anticipate going into a state of fried ennui in yeah. uh, in any minute now. Uh, which, yeah, finishing a book is hard because my brain has been working on the book for so long that it's just like, what do you do when you're not working on the book? And then, and also it's sort of, 
I mean, it's not as good as it's going to be because the editor's going to go in and poke it, but <laughs> I do have to send it to the editor and shame myself in front of the editor with this terrible thing I have handed her. And uh, so, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't have the stuff to bake you a cake. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. But I will remind you, uh, we have a new episode of What If to watch this evening. Yes. And we have to finish out season one of Centaur World. For everybody who's been telling us that we need to watch Centaur World, we are. Don't comment with spoilers because we're not done yet. But uh, for the record, it uh, it starts out and I'm like, okay, this is going to be like a sort of weird My Little Pony thing. Okay, it's kind of messed up and cute. Okay, it's increasingly psychedelic and kind of snarky. Okay, now it's evil psychedelic. Right. Like, like we're getting into Raggedy Ann and Andy animated movie kind of messed up yeah. levels, and I'm and I'm totally here for it, obviously. Oh, yeah. But yeah. it's 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 getting, yeah. Yeah. I, I I'm watching it going. This is a kids show, you say? <laughs> I approve of that. I'm just saying that you know going to be people in in 30 years going do you guys remember that really messed up show did anybody else see it man that traumatized me yeah which well, yeah, we, you we, got to have that i mean if yeah. you don't have a good childhood trauma to discuss i mean we all had that discussion several of us had that discussion about the raggedy ann and andy ma animated movie like two weeks ago and brave little toaster and brave little toaster oh my god the brave little toaster yes yeah. and yeah. uh yeah yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. And anyone yeah, who saw the mini series of Alice in Wonderland with the uh, the really bizarre all star cast, very, I mean, the plot was weird even for Alice in Wonderland that they showed in like the eighties and has the Jabberwocky chasing her through Wonderland. It is messed up. The well. I believe we've said this at least once before. The 70s were a hell of a drug. Yeah. This is... Uh, and the 80s uh, yeah. were also a hell of a drug. The 90s were relatively benign compared to some of that. Just... I mean, the 90s were to the 70s and 80s the way that the day after an acid trip is to the acid trip... Yeah, I can you see that. You feel yeah. very gray and dull, and you have no neurotransmitters, and you're like, I should probably eat a food. <laughs> and drink a lot of water. Yeah. Always thirsty. Why did that. I stay up all decade, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah, really. Anyway. Anyway. Um, so, yes, I finished the book, and uh, now I take the rest of the week off, basically, as a combination of reward and sick days. Yes, and, and that's and that's fine. This is this is part of your celebrating your successful completion of the book. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a celebration so much as an acknowledgement that I am useless for anything the day okay. after. Okay, okay, so that's that's fair. I'm just that's going fair. to yeah. sleep a lot yeah. and then probably finish painting the hallway. Cool. Yeah. Well, then we're gonna well, I'm gonna try to ring out those last couple neurotransmitters. Okay. Bring them um, out. My neurotransmitters are at and, your disposal. And we have a little space here uh, this week because I've had uh, two people write in with uh, with discussion suggestions and or questions that don't really fit in a letter show. And so I'm going to pull those up real quick as soon as I remember what folder I put them in because they're probably in my Productivity Alchemy folder. Gee, that would make sense, wouldn't it? I mean, 
Um, I mean, I know what they are already, so um, I don't have to read them. Okay. Um, so the first one, uh, which is the, the lighter one and probably uh, easier for you to answer, yes, is going to be... Um, uh, uh, bleh, brain thing. Um, brain things. Brain things, yes. Um, someone had written in, and I'll get a name in a minute, to ask um, how difficult it was to separate a pen, to set up a separate pen name, like oh. in Amazon and things oh, like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no problem. Uh, Amazon, as long as you have two different email addresses, Amazon does not care. Really? Uh, yeah, as far as I can tell. Well, the thing is, I only have my my one uh, uh, T Kingfisher account because my publisher is the owner of all of like the Dragon Breath books and stuff. Right. So right. Uh, that was a non-issue. But yeah, I no, I just set up the T Kingfisher account in Amazon and KDP and did that, and it was very simple. Uh, honestly. Had I been thinking, I would have done a pseudonym for the children's books and then had everything else be under the Ursula Vernon name right. to make life easier, but, you know, you never... We, we didn't know. We didn't know. These we are things know. you don't know. Uh, so, yes, uh, if you're going to start writing children's books, just do it under a pen name, like, right out of the gate. That way you don't have to worry about them Googling and finding, for example, your Twitter account or all of the nude studies that you posted or that period of art where you were painting winged penises. Um... So, uh, yeah. I suppose it's a, it's a, a, um, uh, I, that is a concern. Yeah. Brain yeah. separation is really mm -hmm. the thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I had to have uh, a children's book pen name and an adult pen name because I do not want the moment where, you know, you, I have, I have lived through this moment where one of your adult books comes out and they give it to a small child in the library giveaway and you have to do the slow motion noo, across the room because that was the one with the torture and the lesbian elf sex. So, uh, yeah. Uh, it's easy. It's easy to do on Amazon. It's easy to do as a writer. Uh, for the most part, you just tell your agent that you want to be under a pen name. And uh, the... I mean, and short stories and whatnot, I just pitch under a pen name. Now, if you are already known in the field for something, it gets harder because part of the thing that publishers may want... Uh, from a book is uh, your fan base already. Like, right. they want, you know, um, I'm T. Kingfisher for horror. If I was selling a horror novel and I told the publisher that I wanted to be uh, Ingrid Quayle now, yeah. they, uh, uh, they would be like, but we want the T. Kingfisher fan base. Uh, in my case, when I sold the first, I had already self-published a bunch of T. Kingfisher books. Right. And when I sold the first uh, horror novel to a, a traditional publisher as a T. Kingfisher, uh, my agent said outright, look, T. Kingfisher. And the editor was like, yeah, also it's an open secret, that's Ursula. So, right. you know, everybody knows. It, so it's not like it's a deep, dark secret. You know, I'm not trying to hide anything. It's just basically brand separation. It's not hard to do at all. Like, the contracts are all made to Ursula Vernon writing as T. Kingfisher. And usually yeah. uh, uh, magazines or whatnot or articles will ask me outright uh, what name I want on it. So everybody, this is a known, like, quantity. You're not doing anything weird. People usually know how to work with it. Uh, yeah. So it's it's 
not that complicated and makes life easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, I mean, that's surprisingly easy. Yeah. And I mean, I mean in, yeah. in it for a long time, and I, this may still be true today. If you, once your series tanked, you at a publisher, uh, you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps, changed your name and submitted more books. And, Maybe the editor knew, maybe the editor didn't, but, uh, yeah. All that matters is the check clears at the end of the day. The check clears, and so yeah, lots of people have had multiple pen names. Uh, Romance is particularly rife with that, you know, you go through like two or three or four frequently in a career, and, uh, which, and, and eventually, you know, hopefully one hits. Like Robin Hobb used to be Megan Lindholm. I've read a couple of her Megan Lindholm books. Uh, they were fine. They were weird. They weren't quite as mainstream, and but she hit big as Robin Hobb. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's stuff like that. Um, I will say that there's some there are some tricky sort of uh, calculus you have to do with the gender of your pen name. Uh, oh at yeah. Times. Uh, T Kingfisher is fairly gender neutral. That was kind of deliberate because there are still people out there who will not buy a book if they know it's by a female author, and I want to uh, I want to take their money and then kick them in the balls. So uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it also in children's books, there's a whole other discussion we can have about what you can get away with as a female presenting author than what you can get away with as a male presenting author. But that's not really to the matter of pen names. No. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Second question, and I actually will need your help with okay. some of this. Yeah. Um, what are some coping strategies as the partner of someone with ADHD? I'm utterly <laughs> sick of being the person who has to organize everything, keep track of everything, put everything away when my partner leaves things all over the place. I know I have to back off and let my partner take responsibility for certain things. I can't try to do everything, but on the other hand, shit has to get done. I know it's not my partner's fault. It's wonky brain chemistry, but it's taking a toll on my functioning and productivity. Do you have any suggestions or advice? I've been doing some research, and pretty much every article says to be compassionate, practice empathy, and work on communication. Which is all well and good, but I need practical ideas on how to make sure appointments get made and bills get paid without either doing everything myself or turning into the nagging spouse. This is hard. Also, medication is not an option in this case due to the difficulty of getting a diagnosis. Damn it. Right. Right. And so it's, uh, and I agree, it's hard. Right. I mean, there is difficulty in getting a diagnosis. Uh, sometimes we, we will start with, with my experience, which is sometimes the difficulty in getting a diagnosis isn't, um, related to the medical industry, but it's related to you're trying to get a person with ADHD to do things to get them diagnosed with ADHD. Like, which are all fill out forms and call people. And yes. remember that, yeah. Yeah. And you have to be a little bit of a nag on that. How many times did you start the, the paperwork before you... Um... No, you you totally have to be a nag on it. Like, yeah. I... I yeah. Right. Uh, and I, I am not... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Now, medication will only do so much as well, as I've learned. I mean, it does a lot for me. Oh, yeah, it does a lot and, for and me. And I, I also, I, before we go on, I, I don't want to dismiss the fact that even if the ADHD person somehow miraculously does everything right because you have nagged them into it, 
uh, sometimes it's really hard to get a damn diagnosis right. out of because the medical establishment is like, oh, no, you can function. You're not in jail. You can't have ADHD, uh, particularly, again, if they're female presenting. Right. So, uh, right. so and then. So, yeah, the first thing I will say is, yes, all of the articles are right, but that's not practical. I cannot tell you the number of times I have been picking up things sort of spread across the kitchen counter, just grumbling to myself, why is it so hard for people to put these, to, to clean up after themselves? Why is it so hard for this They're to go always into the sink? Right, right. But, and then I have to step back and I have to take that deep breath and say, because they have ADHD. And I know if I remind them, then they typically will come and do it right then. But... Yeah, it's just they have to do it basically right then because right. object permanence because is a problem. Yeah, object yeah. permanence is for other people. Um, I had to learn to be patient not just with Ursula, but with myself because it was very... It's Believe me, I hear you. Frustrating and anger and all of that stuff. And you just kind of have to... You got to learn to just sort of let it flow through you. I know this sounds woo-woo, doesn't it? Just flow through and out of you without screaming, why is it so hard for you to remember to throw away your bottle cap every night? That much being said. Have I been better about the bottle cap? Oh, you've been so much better about the bottle cap. Okay. I'm not uh, finding them, like, sitting on the counter and the cat's playing with them. Yeah. Uh, I would... I mean, this sounds terribly dehumanizing to the person with ADHD, uh, but since I'm the one with ADHD, I get to say it. Imagine you have a beloved pet who is incontinent. It Oof. is, and, and I'm thinking of this because I'm looking at Hound, who is not incontinent, but Ernie had his moments. Yes. And the elderly German Shepherd who is staying with us is. Most of us have learned over having pets that you just, you don't get mad at the dog for peeing on the floor. The dog is not doing it to make you mad or anything. You just kind of like, yep, dog peed on the floor, gonna have to deal with that. And I think it's the same kind of... There, of, there is a level of that, yeah. Of yeah. patience and acceptance that, it, that there is not malice involved. Um, right. Except for, obviously, you know... Mm -hmm. You're, you're, we all feel like you're not a pet. You're a, my partner. Right. Damn it. Pick up some of the slack. But I, I'm not going to lie. I suspect that lots of people cannot be in relationships long term with people with ADHD. I, I or can't yeah. live with them. Certainly. Can't live. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I, if, if someone had, you know, OCD or extreme, uh, neatness issues, we would kill each other. And I am, for an ADHD person, very good about cleaning up after myself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, so so the thing you have to remember, let's go, we'll, we'll roll back to the practical side now, because we can go in on the, on the, 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 you have to be understanding all day long, and that isn't actually practical. Yeah, it, it doesn't, except it doesn't in, help yeah, you do anything. It doesn't help you do anything in, in the moment. So, uh, the first thing is um, remember that object permanence is like a thing that does not exist for your partner. I have a sign on the back of the front door and I need to change it because it is now part of the back of the front door. 
and it has become a part of Ursula's field of vision, and she doesn't really see it anymore. But I have a sign that says, have you taken your pills? Yes. Right? And that's the other thing. I think we... And I still catch it occasionally and go, I have not taken my pills. Right. Um, and I was talking to... I had someone on not that long ago whose name is escaping me, who was like, yeah, no, object permanence is for other people. And I have to change my, my methods and systems regularly because they will stop working. Yes. Right. Once, once, uh, it's like masks. Uh, when the pandemic started, I would always remember my mask because I was like, oh God, gotta take my mask. My mask was new and it was weird. So I would, I would always do that. Gotta take my mask. Important to take mask. Now it is a thing I can forget because I am so used to it. Right. So it is, so I just have to keep it on the dashboard of the car because otherwise I will never remember if, if I, if I have to like keep it in my, my pockets or something, no, never going to happen. Yeah, and I just tend to keep one in my back pocket because I remember it's there. And I have a pouch of masks on my bag just in case. I have a pouch of masks in my car so that if I do wear the other one inside or shove it in a pocket or something, I right. still have more. So the, but the, the whole thing is that since object permanence is for other people and you are now their object permanence, sorry, really am you cannot f you cannot fix this this is something that you will have to like work with them on and maybe it's like there are i have sometimes thought about writing in marker on the bathroom mirror have you taken your pills today as a change to get your attention yes and that would work for probably a week right yeah. right or the uh, the option someone had um a like a a card a card file of tasks that they need to do around the house, but that they could shuffle. So it wasn't always in the same order. Um, on the practical side, it's much more of a being able to grab that fleeting moment of attention, use it until it burns out and then, or until it's over and then letting go until the next one, because there's no, there's, unless you do that, there is no way to say, here's a magic fix, and here's a magic strategy that will make it all better. Anyone who tells you that they have a magic fix and a magic strategy is selling you something, and it's probably bullshit. Wait, I have mean, I said that before? Uh, probably. Pro multiple but, times for multiple things, uh, yeah. Yes, uh, I just had a thought, though. What if you got, like, one of those electronic picture frames that changes out an image, and then you had, like, 10 or 15 different, you know, like meme format, have you taken your pills that, I mean, would, that you could like put in the bathroom and it would be a different image and I would see different image. Yeah, but I'd have to, I'd have to change them after I went through that 15. Well, no, what if you had, what if you had them up like one a week or something or one every few days? I, 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 we can talk about that. That's an yeah. interesting strategy that will work for you. The question is, how could you apply that for someone like the writer's Right. Where, you know, you know and, and this is all very individual because, like, I generally don't have a hard time paying the bills on time because I have terrible anxiety about money. So right. that is not a problem for me. Whereas, and I don't know how to tell you how to suggest to anybody else to pay the bills on time. Because yeah. In my case, I, I had to make it a habit. Now, I don't have ADHD, but I was terrible about paying bills on time because I'm not anxious about it. Right. I'm like, Okay, so the bills will be a day or two late because I forgot, right? I had to come up with sort of a whole... I had to build a routine. I had to build a habit that, okay, it's this day. This is bill day. It's this day. This is bill day. 
auto which works for me has saved my oh man auto pay has been great for that yes uh, which I would add on on stuff that can be automated. It is worth sitting down and oh, being yeah. like, uh, okay, let us automate this so that I'm not telling you to do it or whatever. Yeah, especially if it's something like uh, paying bills or um, I don't know. Like that's the number one home automation I think, or per- personal automation I think that has done wonders for me is automating paying the bills. Just going into the online bill pay and just making it happen because then I don't have to worry about it. I will also say, um, like, signs do seem to work. Like, things got a lot easier. Like, I was never going to open the dishwasher and check if the dishes were clean or dirty. This is true. This is true. Uh, It it just, it is not a thing that, like, if Kevin says, can you put the dishes away? Absolutely. I would go do it. But. Right. Kevin would have to say it, and then he felt like a nag for saying it. Yeah, yeah and yeah. and I used and to get in, in fights with my ex over this in particular, where he was like, "You should just know that they're dirty and need to be put away, or clean and need to be put away." And uh, I'm like, yeah, "No." But I, I how? Yeah, and he's like, "You should just know that," and I'm like, "But I don't." And he's like, "Well, you know." So then he was mad at me for not doing it without being asked, and right. I'm like. Uh, yeah. Uh, so so we've got one of those little flip things you can buy on Amazon that has like clean, dirty, and it was originally empty, but because the new uh, thing is so quiet, I put it to running. Yeah, and also empty worked for dirty too, because yeah. if it's dirty, you just put, you can dish that. So if I look at it and see dirty. And it's red, by the way. And it's bright it's red, and there are dishes in the sink, I can go, dishes in sink can go in dirty now. Yay, and that takes, you know, one minute, and I can do it while I'm standing there and have the presence of mind and then right. wander off. Right, Or you see clean. Now, yes. you, I'm sure there's that logic of, okay, clean, that takes a little time, and I'm a little busy right now, and so yes, it takes a lot longer for clean to be transitioned to empty or dirty. Although I do try to do that because it is the one household task that I know makes you crazy <laughs> and... So when I see it, I'm like, I can make Kevin happy if I put these away for him. And it's, it's you know, it's just one of those things that I, I, I had a bad roommate. And so I, I have a thing about a full sink. But the important thing is that it's right there in your face. Yes, yeah. and I can I can see sign sign is directly next to to sink yeah. and dishwasher. I can look from yeah. one to the other, and I can do that quick without my attention completely faltering. And uh, yeah, and ADHD people we tend to be very good at short things. And if I mean I know you don't want to sound like a nag letter writer that that is a, a problem. Yeah, no, we, it's a problem and I I had I struggled with it. Yeah, it's but I personally am usually I I am it may I mean and I don't know the situation. It may bother you more than it bothers them. Right. Like you may oh, yeah. be like oh god, I'm always asking them to put the dishes away whereas when, you know, Kevin would be like, can you put the dishes away? I'd be like, yes, I will do this thing. And it, I would not feel particularly nagged. Right. So communication is important. Yeah. And, and I've talked about the thing where even I have a thing where it's like, I need to go downstairs and get a new bottle of water. And when I get downstairs, it's like, oh, well, uh, while I'm here, I need to change the laundry. And then as long as I'm shifting the laundry around, I better get the laundry ready to go up. And then why did I come downstairs in the first place? Right. Right? 
I mean, it's it's a thing that happens. I will say uh, uh, one book I will recommend if it helps is uh, Organizing Solutions for People with ADHD. Uh, letter writer, you will probably have to be the one who reads this because <laughs> yeah. I started it and said, wow, yeah, that totally sounds great. And then went off and did something else. But it has several very useful uh, tips such as Knowing that I that there is no object permanence and that you get like about two minutes worth of attention before something shiny comes along, if you uh, want something cleaned or whatever, put the cleaning supplies next to in the place yeah. where you use them. Like for example, if I need to wipe down the bathroom sink, the wipes are in the bathroom. Yes, right next to it, so yeah. I can look at it. Go sink is dirty. Wipes here, wipe down, done, as opposed to the sink is dirty. I should do something about that, and then it's yeah. six days later. And I just grabbed my notes, and the person I was referring to was Janu in episode 201. Okay. Yes. So it is It is worth, it certainly is worth to go back and listen to some of Janu's um, strategies, because yes. while they don't necessarily apply to you, you might be able to start applying them to your partner. Yeah. And uh, yeah. there's a lot of things that, uh, honestly, I will say, if you have the money, and I know money is always a problem, yeah. uh, there is a lot to be said for, I have realized my partner cannot clean. However, uh, therefore, if my partner has the money, why not just have them uh, <laughs> pay for a maid uh, or a right? house cleaning service one twice a month or something to, so that... Uh, because time management is, you know, and again, this is only works oh, if you yeah. have the money for it. So obviously this is not a solution for everybody, but if you have somebody who has money, but no time, or it takes them 10 times as long to do anything, which is often a problem with ADHD that, yes. you know, outsource that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Outsource like, whoa. Yeah. Um, so Yeah. Those are some tips. That's some practical stuff. I, I wish I could be more help. Um, you have all of my sympathy, and I, I would like to say for anyone listening that, and, and I'm not saying this to you specifically, letter writer, again, I don't know your situation, but not everybody can be in a relationship with someone with ADHD. We yes. are a lot, and or can be a lot. And some people with ADHD have amazing coping mechanisms and do great, and it's not a problem at all. Other people are uh, really hard and do not necessarily, you know, have, uh, do not have the coping mechanisms. Like uh, a friend of mine, her husband, had severe ADHD and was not only not fixing it, was not willing to do anything yeah. to mitigate whatsoever. And she tried everything. She sent him to very expensive counseling and whatnot and just... <laughs> Uh, yeah, and he kind of bailed on her as a human being, and that's just, yeah, that's not cool. Like, ADHD yeah. does not make you an asshole, it just makes you forgetful, so, and, and a lot of other things. So, if you cannot, if you are completely incompatible with this, if you have to never have anything left out on the counter, and it will make you completely bonkers, it is okay to not be in a relationship with us. We are, yeah. we are fun, but, or at least not to live with us. We, we are fun, but we are not, you know, like, yeah. yeah. So 
doesn't make you a bad person if you can't handle it. That's what right. I was trying for. And and I'm sure y'all are going to write in with some other strategies, hopefully, that can be applied. And we'll get to those on the next letter show in about, uh, I guess, two weeks. So, hey, I have an interview. You do? I do. Um, Cindy is a project manager, a mother or a parent, um, a GM and player, has a bunch of hobbies, and to top it all off is a military spouse living overseas with her family and all that that entails. So we sat down and I know we've already gone long on the intro, but I thought it was it's worth it. Um, I have a long interview as well with Cindy, so it's going to be a longer episode this week. It'll be a shorter closer at the other end. Um, but I had so much fun talking to Cindy and then trading emails after that we... I, I have no problems with this. So I'll have that for you right after this. here today with Cindy, and Cindy has got some interesting tidbits to go with. First off, I will mention that we have met Cindy in the past. You were uh, the Remember Tunnel 17 yes. pickaxe <laughs> at TessieCon many years ago with oh okay okay it wasn't you weren't the one with the metal one that had an engraver that we did in the hall. No, oh that sounds oh. amazing. Yeah, it was it was something. Um, wow. Yeah. No, that, that, I, I had the I had the foam one from the, the Yeah, I think we have a couple foam ones around too. Still. <laughs> um, so uh, Cindy has uh, graciously offered to talk to us today, and so Cindy, can you do a significantly better job introducing yourself and what it is you do? Because this is some good stuff. <laughs> well, I'm a little out of practice because I'm on sabbatical from my professional life right now. But I am a military spouse. Uh, when I'm not on quote-unquote sabbatical, I'm a project manager. Uh, I'm also a parent. I'm a grad student right now. Uh, in my not-so-copious-anymore spare time, I volunteer. I'm a singer. I'm a gardener, a crocheter. And I also do a little bit of D&D. So. Only a little bit? Well, I've got three games going right now. Okay, yeah. Are you, <laughs> are, now, are you playing or are you GMing? I'm DMing one, and mm. I'm playing in two others. But the best part is we've got overlap of players across all three games. Okay. And so sometimes the streams cross a little bit. Uh, all right. Um, and so with all that going on, <laughs> how do you keep yourself organized? Well... I have to divide it out in my head. I keep things pretty compartmentalized as far as productivity goes. So, um, as I mentioned, I'm kind of on a sabbatical. We are stationed overseas. We are in uh -huh. rural Germany. And right now, uh, between time zones and job opportunities, I am 
unemployed. And uh, so I'm using Trello for some long-term job hunt type stuff. I use uh-huh. Asana to keep on top of my classes. And then I have a stack of physical notebooks. I've got stuff for my classes. I've got stuff for my volunteer meetings. I have a notebook dedicated to the D&D game that I'm running. <laughs> um, I have kind of a personal one where I just, if I hear a great quote or I have a passing thought, I'll jot it down with a date. It's not really, it's not a long journal. It's more of a just passing thoughts. And uh, Almost a commonplace one, book? Kind of, yeah. Um, it, it's on the side of my desk. When something occurs to me, I'll write it down. But I don't really yeah. use it for organization. Right, right. Um, I rely heavily on the Google Suites, although I think they're rebranding that now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I do a lot of stuff in paper because, mm-hmm. uh, due to my spouse's job, it's harder for him to connect on electronic calendars. Right. So right. we have a paper calendar that I write things down in pencil. Military life, <laughs> nothing is set in stone until it's already happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So then within the school realm, I've got uh, the platform that we use for online classes. So it's called Canvas. And that actually uh-huh. does a pretty good job of organizing all the files and calendar reminders and things like that. Yeah, that we need. I've heard good things about it. Yeah. As a recipient of it, I don't know what it's like on the back end. It's <laughs> pretty good if the professor knows what they're doing. I suppose that's true of any platform. That's that's pretty much, yeah, I was going to say, like, um, uh, when Jacob was still in high school, mm-hmm. right, they had a this, this sort of weird thing where they had Google Classroom for some things, they had PowerSchool for other things, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, where, how are they supposed, you know, like... As parents, we're trying to keep track of their assignments and help out and things, at least middle school, high school. I'm like, that's your mm. problem, dude. Um, uh, but, you know, it was there was this juggling act because, like, some teachers preferred one and some the other. And it's like, God, come on, guys. Yeah. Let's let's figure it um, out here. Yeah. Yeah. I think the kids in the, um, the Department of Defense Education School mm. on post, they were using Google Suite for most of their stuff. Yeah, yeah. My son is a little too young for that. He's in a bilingual German and English kindergarten. Oh, okay. And during uh, Germany's shutdown times, uh, the mm-hmm. teachers had us on Microsoft Teams. Okay. Which would have been great if everyone <laughs> had a shared understanding of how to use it before they needed to use it. <sighs> I... <laughs> Uh, and, it's, it's, and, and an agreement on which language to use. Well, that that's probably the bigger thing. Um, no, I was going to say the the thing I've noticed is Microsoft of all the big companies, Microsoft has been the one struggling the most with this whole online video chat, and and it's been a problem for years. Skype, yeah. Skype for business. Now you know we have Teams. But, you know, and there's this whole thing. Now, admittedly, I'm waiting. uh, Well, no, wait, because Google already killed Google Voice and Google Chat. And now it's all. They haven't completely killed them. I still have active accounts for voice, chat and hangouts. 
But, okay, yeah, it was Hangouts, yeah. But, but they're starting like, to consolidate now. Everything's meat now, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, frankly, the only one that seems to have been consistent through the last five or six years is, of course, Apple, although I hate FaceTime, so... <laughs> but everybody loves it, so whatever. Um, I, I will say this for FaceTime. Uh, mm-hmm. Living overseas, uh, if we got all the all of the, the grandparents, so all four of our parents, set up mm-hmm. with Apple devices... Right. FaceTime is real easy for them to get some video time with the kid. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's the thing I've been noticing is like, since I've switched back in the last, I guess it was last year I started the switch back to pretty much Apple for everything because it's easier. It's just so mm-hmm. stupidly integrated. It's ridiculously yeah. easy. So. Yeah. Um, my In my former life, I mm-hmm. worked for a dozen years for a, a major nonprofit. Okay. Uh, I was doing... Uh, mostly IT, some marketing stuff, but one of the things mm-hmm. that I got to oversee was our transition to what at the time was SharePoint Online and the whole yes. online suite of Office and everything else. And the learning curve was steep, but once we got there, having everything just work was, mm-hmm. it was amazing. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I really like, on the one hand, I really like Office 365. And I like mm-hmm. how Microsoft has done the integration and, oh my god, they actually did platform independence, right? Mostly? Yeah. I still yeah. can't, I still don't have native apps for Linux, but you know what? I'll take what I can <laughs> well, get at this point. Um, but I always have a problem with SharePoint. And I'm going to tell I you didn't. why. Okay, okay, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was going to say, um, SharePoint is exceptionally, and I say this a lot, SharePoint is exceptionally good at what it's made for, and no one uses it for what it's made for. They try to make it do everything. And mm-hmm. um, we've said that, I've, I, I, I compare it to Jira for that. Um, okay. Jira, the, the, the yeah. project tracking thing, yeah, because Jira is fantastic at, Agile development and just that, but then you try to make it do everything else because it's so flexible, and then everybody hates Jira, right? Yeah. So I, I think I think I did not have a problem with the SharePoint implementation because I was on the implementation team. Okay. And so I was working closely with both our internal and the Microsoft developers. And so they were able to show me on the back end, this is why we have the version control set up this way. This is how you do X, Y, and Z. And trying to turn around and deliver that training to my colleagues, Mm -hmm. I realized where some of the gaps were in understanding. Yeah. Where if you're used to thinking in terms of version control and shared Mm -hmm. files, it's easy. If that's not something you're used to, it's a major frame shift. Yeah, the, the the whole, like, everybody tries to use it as an internal wiki. No. <laughs> no. And it's not. Just no. It's not. No. Yeah. Um, it's like everybody tries to use Jira for help desk, and it's not. <laughs> yeah. Cool. That, that That's bringing up some uncomfortable memories for me of projects. Yeah. Yeah. Every, yeah, no, everybody has, I think everybody in the industry has those those unpleasant memories of that tool that was, we're going to use this one tool for everything, and it's not designed for everything. Oh, yeah, sometime <laughs> when we're not on the podcast, uh, yeah. I, I would happily sit down and share project horror stories with you. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say, um, because we are 
we do a lot of things organically because of how mm-hmm. our culture works at my company. And so at the moment, uh, like we've been using, like we're open source company. So mm-hmm. GitHub issues is like in our DNA, but GitHub issues are terrible for project management. <laughs> um, yeah. but, so there's, there's, there's like a couple different groups who are using different things. And finally our director just came out and said, okay, look, we're going to put together a group of people who are going to go out and look at all of these and see what's right for the company. Mm-hmm. Because we can't have, I think right now we have like four or five different places to look for project status. And that's that terrible. sounds like a nightmare. It, as a part-time project manager now, mm-hmm. Welcome yeah, to it's a nightmare. Side. Yeah. Oh no, I've been. I have been <laughs> trying to make this happen for like three years, four years. Congratulations. So, yeah. Then, um, and I'm having so much fun. So much fun well, with it. I don't want to get us too far off track, but uh, I sort yeah, of backed yeah. my way into project management. Okay. I, uh, <laughs> I, I grew up in 4-H. Uh, youth development program. Okay. Most people know it for its agricultural roots. Um, in my case, it was oh, yeah. leadership and technology. Uh-huh. And I had animals. I still have pets. But as it turns out, the veterinarian life was not really meant to be for me. Something, <laughs> something, no cam. And yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I ended up with an internship at the one of the national 4-H organizations. Uh-huh. And at the time, it was not at all a mature project organization okay where we we had a a major a major project that someone decided needed to be done and they decided to hand it to the college intern who was rushing a frat (laughs) right right uh so you, you can see where those things went off the rails pretty quickly and I had just started there in a different internship. I was not that one. Uh, and uh, they noticed that I was keeping notes on things, and I had a pretty good handle on what was going on. So I went into a coordinator position, and then a few years later they said, hey, go for your PMP. We'll pay for it. And I said, yes, yes, I will. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so mm-hmm. I've been doing a mix of Waterfall and Agile projects ever since. Uh, yeah, Agile Fall or just... Um... <laughs> Depends on the project and the team. Okay. Yeah. If we're running something that has really clear funding streams, expectations, deadlines, then it's going to be more waterfall. Uh, Uh If we've got a hard deadline but not really much guidance, then we'll go more agile. Yeah. Once once I've gotten to run a pure agile project, and that was so much fun. uh, Yeah. Well, and it also, uh, like... Big A Agile or little A Agile, like I'll say Scrum Scrum adjacent. Scrum adjacent, okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of Scrum Band myself, but that's oh know. yeah, yeah. Scr- yeah. Um, when I say Scrum adjacent, I'll say that we did uh, Scrum rituals and meetings. Mm-hmm. We used Kanban boards. I built some in Assembla. I don't know if you've used that mm-hmm. platform, but. Uh, Assembly was great. We were running a whole bunch of bugs at once and trying to figure out where each one of them was. And I got tapped to experiment with Assembla, and we used it for another three years. Wow. Or um, the the big one that seems to be taking off for us right now is Monday.com. Oh, nice. I haven't had a chance yeah. to use Monday yet. I am. I'm very impressed with with 
how it has a very simple presentation for if you need that, but then you can do full out uh, road mapping and uh, yeah, yeah. Um, The other one we've been using a lot of is Zen Hub, which takes like all of the really good agile stuff and slaps it and basically wraps it on top of GitHub issues. Nice. Do you like it? I, I'm really happy with it because I can do epics and scheduling and all of that in Zen Hub. Mm-hmm. None of that is visible in GitHub. That's just not something GitHub does at all. Right. But right. this way we can do all of that planning and forecasting, um, a lot of it in Zen Hub without and and still have, you know, the individual contributors like me, like most of the time I just know there's a ticket assigned to me. What do I need to do? Right? Mm-hmm. And um, but for those of us who are trying to do product and project management or just <laughs> team leads or whatever, it's really terrible to go in and look at like the usual. Here's a giant pile of issues. What do I work on next? And so Zen Hub helps like filter that out and and let you um, from a management or even as a as a, a team or a, a sprint planning kind of thing go. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's everything, and now it makes it so much easier. I'm I'm sitting here having not gotten to play with those things really for a couple of years, and I'm jealous. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I love getting behind the scenes into that stuff. Oh yeah, no, no. It's it's the the problem is that uh, I can lose a day just you know. Oh, ticket gardening. Figure, yeah, well, not even ticket gardening. Although I have, it was necessary. Um, <laughs> uh, but I mean, yeah, there's there's always that ticket gardening that needs to be done, but. Even bigger is things like, um, all right, I need to manage this with Monday.com. Let's see what I can do. And then I've lost half a day just, well, what is this template do? Or what does that template do? Mm-hmm. Or now, you know, and just playing with the tool instead of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's, that's always my trouble is I, I try to optimize and then I go down a rabbit hole. And next yeah. thing you know, I'm, I'm off on Watership Down. <laughs> yeah. I'll, or, or Waterfall Down is the case, maybe. Oh, nice, nice. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. Um, uh, yeah, uh, don't get me started on the puns. We'll never get out of them. Well, that's but. that's just a natural thing. I mean, I've had Will on. I can deal with it. Um, okay. I talk to Will Frank all the time. I'm, you know. Uh, anyway, all right. Um, <laughs> so much organizational tools and oh. things uh there's more um okay so Hit me. <laughs> uh, in my master's program we have access mm-hmm. to a bunch of stuff so i'm also doing what used to be lynda.com and now it's linkedin premium trainings oh, uh, yeah. some of those end up being part of my classes but some of them i'm just doing on my own to try to stay current mm-hmm. uh, and then we also have access to a program called refworks and if you are writing lots of science papers or really any sort of academic paper, really? RefWorks and Zotero and a couple of others out there are really good at grabbing the reference information you need, putting mm-hmm. it in a searchable, formatable database. And then depending on which one you have, the plugins work really well with Word or your office program of choice. Nice. I've, I've, um, I have heard really good things about Zotero. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. My spouse used Zotero a lot for, for his master's program. 
Um, mm-hmm. I ended up going with RefWorks because it's expressly supported by our library, where I do most of my academic searching. Right. <laughs> Which also <laughs> means that when they do an update and it crashes, I have someone at the library I can reach out to who will then write a note to my professor and say, hey, this is why. Yep. That's, that's always handy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, through that, we've also got a, an Office 365 and SharePoint subscription. Mm-hmm. So when I have the dreaded group projects, I just slap together a quick SharePoint page, and suddenly we have version control. Yes, and that is that is SharePoint all over. Document mm-hmm. repository and version control, yes. Yep. And so the program I'm in is mm-hmm. entirely online. It's mm-hmm. um, Masters of Science in Management Information Systems, so perfect for a nerd like me. But it's also uh, through their worldwide program. So we've got Embry-Riddle students in every time zone. And when we can't get on Zoom or whatever chat program mm-hmm. we're using, then having something to do version control becomes really critical. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep trying to get, um, I, I keep looking at it and going, you know, writers could really use that sort of version control instead of having, um, I, I'll be honest, I, I will get a draft from Ursula to read titled, you know, um, Istvan, um, August 2021, followed by, you know, Istvan, August 2021, too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Istvan... The, the old, the old um, joke of Photoshop, final, 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 dot, final, I swear, damn it, final. Yes, yes, that whole thing. Um, and I'm just like, you know, version control exists, and you could totally, <laughs> but okay, no, I'm just okay. Um, but depending on what you're using to write, it might not support that. Uh, the publishing industry eats, sleeps, and breathes Word. Yeah, I know. So Right, but not Word 365, because apparently Word 365 strips out, or Office, yeah, strips out all of the revision notes from editors, and so that whole workflow is broken if you try to use Office 365. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I know. I know, mm. uh, because I would, I would love to, or I, I would love to say, <laughs> here, just use Docs. Just use 365. I pay for a family 365 subscription, which, by the way, is a bargain. Yeah, like, yeah it really is. Like five seats for 100 bucks a year? I'm like, oh, like yeah. not five seats, five seats for five people for 100 bucks a year. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. The, the man with three active laptops and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've got, uh, I've actually got a personal 365 account that I haven't been using much because I have my school mm-hmm. one, and that way yeah, they can yeah. do their own controlly checky thing, but. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then for the gaming side, we mm-hmm. mostly use Roll20 and Google Hangout slash Meet. Yeah. yeah. Um, I recently switched from Roll20 to Foundry. I've heard good things. Uh, oh my god. pretty we're pretty invested in Roll20 at this point because, like I said, it's three games with an established cross-group. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. if, if we are ever between campaigns, then maybe I'll check it out. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the hosting service I have for Foundry, um, uh, the Forge VTT, actually has a thing mm-hmm. where it will read resources from your Beyond 
your D&D Beyond account. Nice. So you only have to buy it once. I ended up purchasing on the Roll20 marketplace for the yep. stuff that I'm running. Because I'm yep. running a pre-gen module, so okay, it's easy yeah. to have it right there. Yeah, that's that is what we did with the one, but um, I have to say there was a I I broke down and just went to Beyond and said buy everything, every mm-hmm. source book, every you know I don't have all the adventures, <laughs> and suddenly it's like, whoa, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of stuff that was available because I didn't buy it on twenty on roll mm-hmm. twenty, um, but it integrates so well with Foundry that I'm just nice. like I now have a button. I just found a plugin where I can push a button and it will import a Beyond character into Foundry. Nice. With all the assets and all the powers, I'm just like, never do this on Roll20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably, I don't know. We'll see. We can talk about that later. <laughs> That's a whole other discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this is actually the first full campaign that I've ever DM'd, so I'm going with a mm-hmm. pre-gen and then... Of course, because it's D&D. We're, we're throwing in all sorts of other stuff. Of course. But, uh, of course. Yeah. 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 But, uh, it's been fun. And then the the military spouse life, is it's kind of what you make of it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, as I mentioned, my son is in a – he's not in the DOD school system yet. He's a little too young for that at this point. Mm-hmm. But uh, navigating military regs, navigating his school, that's like, those are the other two jobs I have. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was going to say, it. I have a person I went to high school with who was, um, who is also a military spouse. I think her husband is retired now. Mm-hmm. But, um, and they, I think they did several years in Alaska, and then back down here to uh, Bragg. Which mm-hmm. hopefully we'll be getting a new name before too long. Um, Here's hoping. Yeah, we yeah. we did our time in Fayetteville too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, uh, but there was a whole thing about I guess they had on base housing, not off base housing. Mm-hmm. And there was apparently some difficulty working. Did with... they have the mold? I don't think they had the mold. Okay. But good. there was yeah, there was something else where they were having to, where she was having to spend a lot of time like working with or or trying to just get movement from their their like liaison and all that stuff like whole rounds yeah. of things so um yeah yeah so i don't know <laughs> i guess you know you without revealing anything to whatever you know on base off so base we are in germany and mm-hmm. The area of Germany we're in is Bavaria, which is uh-huh. its own little bit of complexity. Oh. So uh, we'll say back in the 80s, uh, uh-huh. the army well, uh, built a whole bunch of houses out in the villages around the bases. Okay. And then it, many years ago, with the, the base realignment and consolidation work, or BRAC, right, right. Uh, the army sold off those houses to German landlords. And the the base that we are at was slated to be closed and then they didn't close it. So now the army leases it back at government expense from those landlords. So we're in this sort of nebulous third category that's called government leased housing. It is to the same spec as on post housing, uh, but with 
German architectural styles. So okay. we're in the U.S. You're you're used to the the wood frame and drywall and all that. Uh-huh. Here it is reinforced cement brick. This thing ain't coming down anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, but because the army paid to build it, we also have dual voltage, which means we have one ten outlets and two twenty outlets. Okay, we that's kind of nice. the dream. Yeah. yeah. So I can bring all my electronics. Well, I did bring all my electronics and plug them more or less straight in. I use a circuit breaker, of course, but uh, uh, or yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. power strip. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. And then we could also get our local German microwave or uh, air conditioning unit. Not that they have a whole bunch of that here. Uh, right. Fans, all the things we need to survive German mm-hmm. winter. And they work. Yes. I did like... I have to say, I, I, when we were in Berlin uh, a couple mm-hmm. years ago, I, I was, um, I'm not going to say impressed, but I was, it was not difficult, even with the power converters, right? Mm-hmm. But I can see just being able to, like, plug it in without a big, chunky extra thing being really yeah. handy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got uh, many friends who are in private housing, so they're leasing directly from a German landlord. And they don't right, have right. voltage, oh. so they've they've had to to shell up the big bucks for the converters. And depending on what you're plugging into that, it may or may not work uh-huh. so well. Uh, yeah. I had a friend panic because she thought she blew out her sewing machine. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one one nice thing about yeah most portable electronics these days is it's one plug and it goes oh this is 220 or oh this is 110 not mm-hmm. i'm 110 and oh god that's 220 and now i'm going to explode <laughs> yes <laughs> fortunately the sewing machine machine survived but uh yeah 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 um wow yeah so the the categories here at our small base uh, mm-hmm. They're somewhat limited for who can actually live on post. Gotcha. And so those those folks are subject to all of the military regulations. They typically mm-hmm. don't have yards. We are we are subject right. to some of them. We have yards, but we're living surrounded by a German neighborhood, and so we're we get to live a little bit more loosely. Um, right, 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 right. And then the folks in private housing, they. Their rent is still mostly subsidized because it's the military. It's just mm-hmm. one of the most socialized organizations you can be part of. But, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but th- those folks, uh, they get to go, d- depending on what kind of housing they're in, they might have to go buy all of the kitchen stuff. Something that is unique about purely German housing is... Uh-huh. It doesn't come with a kitchen. It doesn't come with closets. You are bringing your wardrobes or your dishwasher or your stove yeah. or your kitchen cabinets with you. And so, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like we, we, we got the best of, of all the worlds by living in government least because we have the flexibility of our own house with our own yard, but uh-huh. we also didn't have to go out and buy a washing machine. Right, 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 right. And... There is a reason places like IKEA are so popular in mm-hmm. Europe because that is not abnormal, right? No. Um, if we were know, living I, here long term, I'd love to go do that, but right, we're we're only here for another year or so. So. Mm-hmm. Well, you're only here for another year or so 
as far as you know, at this point in time. So yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can talk all about that later if you like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so wow, that's that's a lot. That's <laughs> yeah, a whole like, bunch. Like I said, I have like three mm -hmm. or four different jobs depending on how you slice it. Which makes it really interesting when we get to the next bit, which is um, what systems and habits are valuable to you. And I wouldn't be surprised. I, I'm going to guess there isn't one giant overarching system for all of this. <laughs> there is not. Yeah. There is what do I need to do on a daily basis to get us through mm -hmm. the day, to get through the week, to get through whatever mm -hmm. is next on the schedule for my spouse. And so on a, on a daily basis, uh, I am not a morning person by any means. My, my right. spouse has trained himself to be. He gets up real early, goes and works out, uh, then goes to work right around the time that I'm getting the kiddo up. So I, I, I live by my iPhone alarms. I have one to wake me up. I have one labeled Awaken the Kraken. <laughs> I have one labeled Incarcerate the Kraken. I'll set individual timers for my events throughout the day. In, in, okay, release the Kraken, I get. Incarcerate the Kraken? <laughs> well, I have to take him to school so he's not underfoot all day, right? Right, okay, yeah. <laughs> no, that makes sense, that, okay. That yeah. probably comes across a little odd. I, I, I adore my child. My mm -hmm. child also lives life face first, and it's hard to get things done. <laughs> gotcha. So the, there's the sort of that daily routine, and I realize mm -hmm. that's skipping ahead a little bit, but you've got that's okay. that, that's that's really important just to keep things running smoothly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because any given day or week, I might be a solo parent. Right. I would absolutely not say single parent. I have all of my spouse's support. I have all the support systems. I am a right. very lucky, privileged person. But switching between Shared parenting and solo parenting mm -hmm. can be rough. And right. if we're in a week where my spouse isn't coming home until after kiddo's bedtime, he's not right. seeing my spouse for that whole day. And if I'm not on top of absolutely everything when the ch when kiddo mm -hmm. is home, then mm -hmm. it's all going to fall through the cracks. Right. Right. And... Um... Yeah, and I suppose that's uh, one of the things about, I mean, you know, military spouses and kids. I mean, it's probably significantly easier than you're a solo parent in the States while your spouse is deployed overseas for six months for a year and all of the stuff that goes with that, which we will not get into. Um <laughs> But um, at least there's, you know, okay, he's going to be on post for seven days, 24-7, or something like mm -hmm. that. And so, yep. you know, that's a little easier to plan around versus the, any day now, there's going to be the call, and up and out they go, and you don't know when they're coming yeah. back, right? Yeah. Th thankfully, thankfully we're, mm -hmm. we're past both our personal time with the service and also... Mm -hmm that particular, we'll say, global tempo, where uh -huh. the immediate response force is needed. And I'm hoping, not right. would, that it stays that way. Yeah. Any number of reasons. Uh -huh. But 
right now we're we're pretty lucky. We've we're at uh-huh. um we're at one of the training posts in Bavaria, which means that uh-huh. there is a training schedule. Soldiers from all over the world come through here. They uh-huh. do trainings on a schedule. They go home, and my spouse is part of the training team. And that's that's as much as I can say there. Right, but it right, means right, that right, right. the we. We have a sense of what's going to happen, where and when. I know if my spouse is going to be in one of the neighboring European countries or not. If we were on one of the response forces, I would not have any of that reliability. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's a lot. um, And there's a lot of people on both organizations. and uh, most of the people, when we think of most of us, yeah, on the, we've always been civilians or whatever. We always think more about the people who are the response forces mm-hmm. than the vast and amazing infrastructure and bureaucracy that makes those responses possible. Oh, it's um, yeah. The the old saying that an army runs on its stomach is absolutely true. The oh, army yeah. also runs on its electronics. It does now, yeah. And, yeah. Um, but, you know, there's, like, anyone who's really taken even a brief amount to study, like, military history, yeah, the, the supply lines, the making, the, the, the production of, yeah, there's a whole entail. Like, a lot of people don't know the food alone is its own thing. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> A, a lot of people don't know that, you know, the uh, the meals ready to eat, the MREs, um, are sourced, I think, 100% from American farmers, growers, manufacturers, the whole nine. Um, as a, as not just a, we're providing to the economy, but uh, a security supply line thing. Yep. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I always said, why would you need a $5 ballpoint pen until I got my hands on a U.S. government pen? And then I was like, oh, my God. No, no, <laughs> yeah, no. Have you have you gotten, has your husband brought you a U.S. government pen yet from yeah. the base? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Insane, isn't it? <laughs> I, I will say um, we, we have our, our, our personal favorite pen. We buy them in bulk. Oh, the, uh, yeah, the, yeah, I believe I'm the, using the same one right now. Yeah. Uh, the, the Uniball Signo? Yes, and oh uh, no, this is the... Uh, we, we use the Micros, the 207s. Okay, this oh, is sorry, the... The, um, the Ultra Micros. I'm sorry, this is the Pilot Precise V7. They look the same. Yeah. But, um, but uh, no, the Signos are very nice, um, but I think the Precise is the, the one that Ursa likes to sign books with, so I just have tons of them around. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the okay. Uniball, making sure I got that in the notes because somebody of course, of course. will, yeah. Um, and I didn't realize that the uh, the precise line were um pilots because oh. they looked a lot like the early uniballs, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. um. Actually, what? speaking of productivity, I will go get what I use every day. Uh-oh. <laughs> is it, is it, oh, good, it's going to be fun paper, I can tell. No, it's not. It's not. It, not fun paper? So, not. 
Oh, no. In Germany, mm-hmm. in Germany, you bring your own shopping oh. bags. So this oh. is one of the, the um, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, one of the Reisenthal bags, and mm-hmm. it collapses, but it holds everything. So I keep my purse in there. I keep all the kids' stuff in there, and in the morning, I just go out and go with it. Oh. I mean, I, I have a backpack for that. It yeah, just has all my but, stuff in it, but... Yeah, but when you're cruising down the autobahn and the kid asks for his water bottle, you want something you can just reach into. Yeah, well, okay. So past that stage, <laughs> yes. good fifteen to seventeen years now. But there's hope. I'm glad to hear there's hope. Yeah, no. Um, my my youngest starts his second year of college next. Well, uh, it's not quite July yet, so not. Mm-hmm. It, but like in about a month and a half. Nice. So, my God, he's gonna be uh, gonna be twenty one this year. No, wait, he's only gonna be twenty this year. Only gonna be twenty. Okay, deep breath. Deep breath. <laughs> only gonna be twenty this year. Okay. 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 Oh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. Now I'm gonna have to go find a journal. I'll, I'll, I'll get you a link. I'll get you a link. Yeah, please, please, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, you can get them on Amazon. Just... They're really good. Really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, it turns out brand actually matters when you get one of these. Oh, really? So, yeah. So I've, I've got a cheapie here. So you know, look the same color. Uh, mm-hmm. got this one for like five bucks at Aldi. Fell apart yeah. within the. Uh, yeah. 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 <sighs> but. Oh, well. uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the basket is mm-hmm. really useful, and it fits perfectly in a Euro-style shopping cart. Oh, also useful. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So the, the basket is probably the key to my morning productivity. I, yeah, as I, I mentioned, I'm not a morning person. If it's not yeah, in the basket much. or it's not out on the counter ready to go, I am going to forget it. Gotcha. Um counter or in basket. (laughs) (laughs) And my notes just get worse and worse as I because I'm trying to rush through them now. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Let me me make a note for myself so I send you the link. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I have books now where I've just decided I really need to do the thing where I I do actually need to, after way too many years of having absolute crap penmanship, actually mm-hmm. improve it. And um, so, you know, uh, folks, old dogs can learn new tricks. In my case, hopefully, this old dog is learning legibility. Um, but yeah, so that I can... Uh, so that when I'm going back through these notes in in 10 years or whatever, it's not, okay, what the hell was I trying to say there? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Whereas I take all my class notes in longhand. I was told, I was told in high school, Catholic, Catholic school, uh, I had the penmanship of a serial killer. Right on. Which I think was a compliment, but uh, time will tell. Yes. Well, I was going to say penmanship of a, of a doctor might have been a compliment. No, not really. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I get it. I, I 
I, you know, and I, you do the thing, you did not appear to do the thing on your notes where you will mix, well, you'll get into a rush and you'll start to mix, where is it? It's on, it's on this one where you'll start to mix, um, print with cursive. Um, um I, I write in sort of a blend of print and cursive. Okay. So it gets sloppier if I'm in a hurry. Yep. Okay. Yeah. But I, I realized early on that if I didn't physically write it down for class, I mm-hmm. wasn't going to retain it. And I I, I write longhand partly because you know, shorthand was not something they taught us, but nope. also because if I'm writing it down longhand, then my brain will latch onto it better. Oh, yes, and another then, kinesthetic learner. Ha-ha. A little bit, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then... That also helps me at review time because I've never been a flashcard kind of person. I will go back mm-hmm. and I will just read through my notes. And the act of reading them through gives me a mental visual picture of what I was thinking about when I was writing it down. I remember mm-hmm. the physical of forming the words and it ends up being as good as flashcards would have been if I were a flashcard person. Now, Mm-hmm. That won't work for everybody, but it works nope. for me. Yeah, um, I was going to say, it's been really handy doing all of these interviews. Um, because I have sort of, you know, we all have our little abbreviations and how we structure mm-hmm. our, our notes and things. But it is, hold on, let me look at the thing. Um, all right, it is going to be at least two months between the time we record and mm-hmm. the time this actually airs. It's fine by me. Right, but... When it comes time to actually do the recording, I have my notes to remind me and put me in that mindset mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that I'm not, you know, part of my prep is not always to sit down and listen to the entire, re-listen to the entire interview before we start recording. Um, yeah, I just finished listening to this year's Dino set, and right. that would that would take you a while. Yeah, well, um, and uh, this year I had a really good chance on Tuesday to just put that on on the side and let that roll through because I I always do like a spot check to make sure um, nothing terrible happens mm-hmm. in the in the whatever or um, clean up places where I know either the interviewer or I didn't say something right or there was a technical glitch or whatever so I always do a re-listen sometimes an hour before the release. Um, and but I had a chance to do at least the interview part of it uh, Tuesday, and then we didn't. So I had it all fresh in my mind when we were recording um, mm-hmm. part two of the episode. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, sitting just sitting down and listening to all of that in one big block, <laughs> tough. Um, yeah, and I often I know a lot of people listen at one and a half speed to the podcast, and that's mm-hmm. generally how I do it on that final pass. That makes sense because you, you've already got the the auditory and the, the visual memory from your notes, right? So right, and then, you're, you're just and listening then for for highlights and cues. And yeah, that spot check period, you know, and to make sure to look at, for all the things I should have written down that go into the show notes that I didn't think <laughs> were important at the time, or like I uh, I think I added about ten things to episode two to part two of the Dino thing, mm-hmm. but just while listening to the second half, because I'm like, oh, crap, I don't have that on the list, I don't have this on the list. Mm-hmm. And Tuesday was a great day for it, because it was meeting, meeting, 
open space meeting meeting kind of thing. So there was a lot of mm-hmm. room for, all right, I'm between meetings. I can just set that on the secondary and plow through the email that built up. Yeah, I, I think I mentioned <laughs> that uh, there's a lot of LinkedIn mm-hmm. learning that's part of the classes, mm-hmm. making sure we all have a common technical basis. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, for me, it's I have my notebook off to one side and then I, I've mm-hmm. got a crochet project because if I don't keep my hands busy, my mind will wander. Yeah. Yeah. And at least and then, if I'm fidgeting with crochet, I'll have something usable at the end of it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I hope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I we actually I believe we actually have a subscription of that through work. And I just haven't taken advantage of it yet. Um, the ones that you get through the subscription, the, the premium ones are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, the, they, they have pretty good production quality and then a lot of them will carry a certificate. And, okay. Oh, by the way, did you, did you go for a, a PMP or any of the project management credentials? No, no. I, well, okay. So I have my, um, I have the scrum study, um, uh, certified scrum master. Oh, and there's an orange cat in front of me. Yeah, that's orange cat. Come here, sweetie. Um, which you can actually see reflecting over my shoulder over over there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I have not gotten like the Scrum Alliance one, which I might want to do someday, or the Agile um, Alliance mm-hmm. certification, or um, dear God, I can't afford to put myself through PMP school. Yeah, uh, that's why I jumped out yeah. when my my previous organization sent me there. Yeah. Uh, but. But uh, uh, part, part of the, the gig there is continuing mm-hmm. education. And right. if you don't get your hours in, you might have to retake the test. Right. So yeah. I uh, have been taking full advantage of all those videos that come with a certificate because then you have um, proof when it comes mm-hmm. time for, P- for PMI to check on your hours that you actually right. did it. Yeah, the, the other one is that there seems to be this whole, you have to complete the classes and then do so many hours of actually managing projects. You don't have and to do that after the class, though. No, but in order to get the certification, you mm-hmm. have to have the classes and practical experience. The difficulty I found when looking for jobs and things and all of that is that in order to get practical experience... Or in order to get the certification, you have to have you have to do so many hours of practical experience. But in order to get the job, to get the practical experience, you have to have the certificate. And so mm-hmm. it's like, you know, pretty sure there's a whole novel about that. Probably, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're thinking of one specifically, I don't know what it. Uh, oh, uh, Catch Twenty Two. Oh, okay. I, that yes. is one I have. I need to read. Is what I need to do. Um, that, uh, one's that, bit... that, that is what that is one that will really depend on your own preferences and mindsets. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, when I finally broke down and read after you know sort of all the references to it over the years, um, and you know snippets of movie and blah blah blah. When I finally read One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, um, it was a lot different than what I had expected. <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah. 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 But I'm also in the middle of, what am I reading now? A uh, discussion of, uh, it's cultish, how language, um, how language and 
builds relationships and cult language versus not cult language and where we see it every day and where we don't. And it's a whole, yeah, it's intense. I hope my PMI membership doesn't get flagged by this, but you might start to see that in some of the project management language. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, um, like the intro is talking about this woman who fell into what is probably, uh, the what we normally think of when we think cult Mm -hmm. you go to this yoga class this yoga class is doing the spiritual preferences and the more you get into it uh, the more the language sort of starts to steer you towards being a disciple of a particular person who is then demanding more and more time and you know the whole sort of abusive cult Mm -hmm. thing yeah flips but it's comparing it to but then it's talking about a woman and her crossfit Mm-hmm. And the linguistic uses of CrossFit and the sort of social shaming if you miss a day of of your class or you don't get your exercises in or mm-hmm. um, and how brands use the same language. And this is just the first chapter. I'm not even like, you know, I'm not even through the first chapter. And so, yeah, a lot of that is a lot of that is just part of the human nature of connecting mm-hmm. and groups um, and there's a lot of talk of the psychology of why that is, but so yeah, there 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 are always going to be those those linguistic and similarities and thoughts and whatever. Um, but then there's the whole next side to it of where it goes from uh, useful or common vocabulary or whatever into dangerous, abusive, etc. So what I'm, I'm really book? interested. Cult-ish. I'm gonna have to go pick it up. Cultish. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just through the first chapter. I'm not even through the full first chapter or section yet, and I'm just like, dude. So yeah. Yeah. Um. My my previous job, we worked a lot with academia, and we mm-hmm. also had some programs that served military youth and families, and uh, code switching the language that mm-hmm. I used from my projects to my external partners, if they were in academia or military or uh-huh. we'll, we'll just say civilian, even though it doesn't really match. Um, right. the, the, the code switching is incredible and it changes your mindset, the language uh-huh. that you're using. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and that's, that's even before the, we get into acronyms. Yeah. Acronyms are a whole other thing. And they certainly, I'm not at a point in the book where it talks about acronyms, but it does talk about how, you know, uh, there there is a a shared language thought process whole component to um, to all of these cultish aspects. So it's mm-hmm. it's fascinating. Um, sorry, I there was a noise, and then I looked and. Uh, Hobbs is asleep on a on a thing and it's adorable and it it's killing me. So okay. Uh, <laughs> just just the oh keep let's see if I can sorry folks, you don't get to see this. Let's see if I can, if I can <laughs> aim it aim it so you can see what, what this is now. Um okay, there's the door, not too high. There's Shaw. Wrong way. Okay. If you can see that lump on top of the purple bin. Yeah, that's, I do. Um I, Does he have his head tucked under his paw? 
yes. See if the, the light probably does not is not helping. Yeah. But yes, he has his head tucked under his paw, and he's curled up on dirty um, on dirty kitchen towels. And it's killing me. It's just I look at it, it's like, <laughs> oh god, it's so cute. And yeah. Um, I right. Yeah, where were I, we? <laughs> no Project worries. management and uh, yeah. Um, yeah. If it's not written down, you're not going to remember. That's where we were. Yes. <laughs> if it's not written down, or if it's not in the basket or on the counter. Um, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. I, I have trained myself to have a really good visual memory, but it's not, uh-huh. it, it's fallible. Right. But you're not at the level of like Ursula or Jeannot, who I had on a couple weeks ago, um, where uh, object permanence is for other people. No. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely have some brain quirks, but I, I don't right. think I'm, I'm at anything diagnosable or clinical. Right. But I've, I've learned to work with the way that my brain works, mm-hmm. and so far it's been pretty good. Okay. I've been lucky, yeah. but... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes I feel like I am Ursula's object permanent, so, you know, whatever works. <laughs> I, I am definitely the object permanence for the kiddo. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is certainly an age thing with uh, age component to that. Mm-hmm. Definitely an age component to that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. So we're still on systems and habits, although we've talked about, you know, the we've, start. We've of pretty much gone through right? everything that I've. Okay. Uh, the the only yeah. other thing is I try to regulate my caffeine intake. Okay. So I, I have my my coffee in the morning. And then I switch to herbal or decaf the rest of the day, unless I've got something late mm-hmm. at night. Um, I, I think this is where I need to do the, the shout out to uh, the Desert Sage Naturals Tea Company, whom I found out about through Shepherd. And, and oh, Shepherd's okay. I was going to say, that sounds familiar. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that, mm-hmm. Their stuff is amazing. Um, I don't want to promote it too hard because I want them to, to, to keep up with the, the current purchasing flow that they have. But uh, Right, right. Uh, they have one particular tea that I enjoy that helps keep me focused without being caffeinated. Awesome. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, cool. So that that <laughs> leaves us at the we've we've almost sort of we we started to answer it and then we went on about the other things with the systems and habits, um, which is you know how do you decide what to do first or what does a typical day look like. Although typical day is probably going to depend, so yeah, um, the kiddo's schedule is pretty much immovable, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I don't want to get the the stern words from his kind German teachers. They're they're uh-huh. really very nice. They're wonderful people, but uh, they 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 do impose a, a verbal consequence if you show up late, and yes. so getting kiddo out the door. Uh, we've got we've got a commute down to school, so I am on the mm. autobahn daily, and uh, everything else gets scheduled into those school hours once I get back home, and before I have to go pick him up. And I, I think that this is a place where I will call out the some of the difficulties of living overseas with mm-hmm. the military system because. They're, they're just understaffed. They do not have the capacity for right. all the kids that we have. And 
So we, we had him in school on post for a while. And then between capacity yeah. and COVID, that was not a thing for six months last year. Right. There was no school, nothing, uh, not, even, not even online classes, not for his age group. Wow. And so yeah. it was kiddo and me for uh-huh. pretty much six straight months under German lockdown, which was pretty strict last year. Yeah, yeah. So when, when we got into this school that is a commute mm-hmm. away, uh, it was like night and day. Um, right. Our relationship improved. Kiddo was so uh-huh. much happier and learning things. So I, I credit school as a productivity aid. <laughs> I... And, and for me, it wasn't, it wasn't about childcare so much as just getting him the interaction and the learning and the engagement that he needed. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I think, I mean, that is something that you don't think about until you have kids, mm-hmm. is that there has to be some sort of outlet. Um, and there are the kids who are sort of naturally introverts who aren't necessarily going to be all gung-ho about it. That might be me, yeah. Yeah, but on the my, other my hand... My son is not that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, and that some of that's a function of age, but yeah, I mean, there are there are a lot of homeschoolers around here, and mm-hmm. there are also very specific like social groups or study groups or whatever for homeschool kids. Because um, mm-hmm. it's necessary. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, or uh, yeah, I was gonna say, or the church schools have. You know, the extra activities, and we won't go into all of that, but, you know, (laughs) but in order to give at least more social time than structured classroom time, because you have to have some of that unstructured time. Any time you've got a kid who is regimented and structured and structured and structured and structured, oh, kids love structured, yeah, but they, they, (laughs) love isn't the right word. I think, uh, in my experience, kids need both structured and unstructured time. Yes. Right. It's not an either or, it's a both. We, if this had been a good fit, it would have been fantastic Mm -hmm. for us. There is uh, one of the German outdoor forest schools near us. It's super cool. I loved it. But Mm -hmm. um, at the time, my kid just wasn't ready for that kind of unstructured environment. Uh, he, He would wander off and just because he was so focused on what he was looking at, he wouldn't hear the teacher saying, all right, everybody time to group up and then the language barrier and then everything else. But we have friends whose kids have thrived there and I, my kid didn't. So it it wasn't a good match for us. Yeah. Or, I mean, and there's uh, several alternative schools, Mm -hmm. at least in our area, you know, the, the Montessori schools, the um, Mm -hmm. Waldorf schools, um, You know, and but each one provides a different sort of structured, unstructured, guided, whatever, in addition mm-hmm. to, you know, your traditional Victorian-style public school or, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah. I, I came up through an alternative school system, mm-hmm. and the transition from that to Catholic high school was oh, abrupt. Boy. And mm-hmm. complicated. <laughs> so I 
rapidly had to teach myself all of the structured Victorian style school, as you put it, Mm -hmm. uh, methods for survival that I had not picked up at the school I had been at before. Yeah. But I think that has also shaped a lot of my very precise note taking. (laughs) Are you still terrified of nuns? Uh, We did not have habited nuns. We had, ah, okay. I think, one, but uh-huh. the, the only folks in any kind of uniform were the priests, and we had very few of those. It was in California. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I was going to say, I think Ursula spent a little bit of time in a Catholic school, and she's still, like, you know, a little scared of nuns, but that's a whole other um, volume. Yeah, the, the, the particular Catholic high school I attended... Uh, mm-hmm. We joked that it was the carpet under which that particular order swept their um, their dead priests. <laughs> uh, discipline was not terribly strict. It it was much more of your like crunchy California private school than a like regimented rosaries everywhere Catholic school. Um, so yeah, okay. So a California Catholic school is yeah yeah okay. Yeah, that that order ran some other schools that were apparently much stricter than ours. Ah. Yeah. So So not the Jesuits, I'm about to say. No, 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 not the Jesuits at all. (laughs) (laughs) One of the the other orders. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Uh, Awesome. But but still, still a a stark contrast to the alternative schools. Yeah. So, anyway, that the kindergarten is where I get most of my day structured. And then in between that, I also operate within the military service opening times. So we're on a small mm-hmm. base. We don't have big services. The the commissary and the PX and the other, like the mail room or anywhere mm-hmm. else that you're trying to get a service on post are open right. very limited hours. Like they don't even open till 11. And then they're closing early. So if I don't do it during school hours, it's just not going to happen because they're not open Mm. on the weekends either. Gotcha. And then on top of that, we are in Bavaria, which is a very Catholic part of Germany. I have heard such things, yes. Yeah, um, uh, Thomas is in Bavaria, who has been a guest on the show. Uh, Mm A school teacher somewhere in Bavaria. But yes, he... He has mentioned that, um, yeah, that they have all the Catholic holidays because they're in Bavaria. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. um, If we were staying long enough for kiddo to go into, um, uh, we'll say, elementary school, Uh our leave time would be very different because once you hit six years old, schooling is compulsory. And we would be in violation of our agreement if we were to take him out during non-school uh, holidays, right? Which do not line up with the military training calendar. No, I'm sure they do not. But because, in theory, he would be part of the like the U.S. global school mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. The children of the military, then he can meet that requirement and still have that same schedule and have the schedule that is necessary, not. Right. The one dictated if, by Germany. If we were staying longer, yes. Yes, okay. Um, 
But that said, there are also a lot of families around us who choose to homeschool. They're not part of the DoDEA mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. Because, gotcha. like I said, we're, it's chronically understaffed. And right. the people who do work uh, in the schools and in the, the child care systems here do absolutely the best they can. They're doing fantastically mm-hmm. for the resources they have. Right. But when you don't have enough staff, you can't offer as many programs or you can't offer them as at as many times. So we have to navigate what's available. We have to navigate mm-hmm. what we can afford. And then we have to navigate the schedules. <laughs> and then schedules, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, it's not like, oh, we have a four-day weekend. Let's go see Grandma. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, well. Under non-COVID circumstances, if we had a four-day uh-huh. weekend, we could pop across the border to Austria or Switzerland and uh-huh. have a great time. But it's COVID, right. so we've pretty much seen our own backyard for over a year now. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Now that things are opening up, and uh-huh. at least the grown-ups have been vaccinated, we are able to go do things. But, uh-huh. like... Living overseas with the military, I have uh-huh. my personal travel pass, tourist passport. I have my uh, my official passport, but that it has my my sofa stamp that allows me to live here. Uh-huh. Uh, I have various other forms of ID, and then because we're in COVID times now, I've got my CDC card, and then I had that transferred into the WHO yellow booklet, which is yes. widely accepted in Europe. And I know you know about the yellow booklets. Yeah, and then I Germany need to find mine and have that transferred into mine. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Germany has also just offered a digital COVID passport. And so navigating the the Apple store, changing from my American Apple ID to a German one so I could download the German COVID pass app. Right. It was just another layer of complication. Yeah, so, because there's there's also those restrictions on you know, you're in Germany using a U.S. login, but that's not a, it doesn't, because of the countries and the restrictions of taxes and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. 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 And then just constant GDPR stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I get an annual training on GDPR stuff <laughs> because we are a global company and we have customers mm-hmm. all over. Yeah, I miss work. <laughs> eh. um, you know, it has its ups and downs, and a lot depends on, on who you're working for, as usual, right? So, of course, yeah. of course. <laughs> so when I'm, when I'm home mm-hmm. from drop-off and whatever errands I need to run mm-hmm. before time runs out, uh, that's when I fit in my class time, try to exercise regularly, not always as good mm-hmm. as, it, as I'd like to be. Um, yep. I will. I will say I have the the Apple Watch, and right. I started. I started trying out Apple Fitness Plus, and the workouts mm-hmm. were pretty good mm-hmm. for someone with a, a low baseline level of fitness compared to my spouse. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was gonna say that's I. I that's one of the things I've been meaning to explore. Um, although one of the things I've been it has been on my. I need to start making this a habit or get a reminder. Something is, uh, you know, spending an hour a day on the treadmill. Doesn't have to be mm-hmm. fast. Doesn't have to be running. Doesn't have to be, you know, but just walking on the treadmill. It's 
Mm-hmm. Or too hot to just say, I'm going to the park and walk, unless I'm going to take, like, you know, five gallons of water with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, one thing I've appreciated about that combination mm-hmm. is the ability to monitor my heart rate in real time. Oh, yeah. If you're using the treadmill or we have an elliptical down in our basement, um, mm-hmm. the sensors don't always pick up your heart rate very well. Yeah. But the Apple Watch does. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. be, being able to, to keep an eye on my heart rate during some of the high-intensity interval training workouts that Apple Fitness offers has been helpful. Yeah. It is the um, difference between being able to have a phone call afterward and not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, did you see the, the stuff that's coming in the next, that, that they announced, I guess, this month that's going to be yeah. added to fitness and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and the rumor is still out there. I'm waiting to see, but is that the next Apple Watch will have a glucose monitor? And if that's the case, I'm going to be over the moon. I was looking into that. Um, I mm-hmm. had uh, gestational diabetes. Fortunately, it's resolved. Mm-hmm. But I right. get to but... uh, monitor my blood sugars mm-hmm. uh, for the rest of my life. But uh, yep. from what I saw on Mac rumors and a couple of other spots, I don't mm-hmm. think glucose is coming this year. Mm, yeah, because I've been seeing. I've, well, yeah, um, but they haven't announced the new hardware yet, so of course everything is up in the air until. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. keep my fingers crossed because I'd like that too. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, a man can dream. A person can dream. <laughs> yes, we can. Yeah. Uh, and then after the kid comes home from school, not as much time for work. Not as much time for. Learning or, yeah. Uh, mostly it's getting him fed, getting getting me and or my mm-hmm. spouse fed. Cat. Sorry. I, too, have animals. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is, yeah. So this is Sophie, whom I sometimes call Scoldilocks. <laughs> uh, yeah. She, she, li- she likes mm-hmm. to yell at me a lot. And, yeah, dealing with the cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also... We've got a garden that we started uh, last year, and kiddo got interested in it mm-hmm. this year. So we have a whole mess of uh, sugar snap peas that have started mm-hmm. to bear pods, and they are quickly disappearing into his lunchboxes. Right on. <laughs> My favorite, um, snow peas, too. I, I love snow yeah. peas. When Ursula, when Ursula is growing snow peas, it's just like, are they ready? She might not get any if I'm out in the backyard with the dog, too. <laughs> Yeah, we're, I don't think mm-hmm. any of our sugar snaps are going to mature. I think they're going to stay, you know, snow pea style. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're going that quickly. Right on. But hey, it is a green substance mm-hmm. that kiddo is willing to eat. I know. And I know it's fresh. Oh, yeah. That's that's a whole thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <sighs> All right. And then uh, in the evenings after kiddo goes uh-huh. to bed, we usually have an hour or two. We can catch up on Ted Lasso or For All Mankind or whatever else has struck our fancy on Netflix or Apple TV or yeah, yeah. And then we have been keeping up on Loki though. That one, that one's been good. Oh my God, Loki! Yes, yeah. <laughs> like our our we've we've just been like. I, th- I think it's funny is I started watching uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch or mm-hmm. WandaVision. WandaVision. Yeah. Um, because Ursula's like, I do not care about Vision. I do not 
this looks like it's going to be stupid. And I was like, okay, this is kind of amusing right up until that point in the third episode where everything mm -hmm. went, where you saw, sorry, folks, where spoiler, things, but it's where things been, got different. Yeah. It's, it's been over two months. I think at this point where things just where like suddenly it explains everything and you're like, holy shit. Um, mm -hmm. And then I made Ursula like watch, I think Ursula and Liz and I binged, all the way up to the next to last episode, like the week before the finale. Nice. And uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, so yeah, and did, then of course, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. I did not grow up in Marvel. I, I've mostly okay. been an MCO person, mm -hmm. but uh, so so I'm getting it fresh. I, I don't right, have right. all the the heritage of the of the printed comics. And it's been it's been a pretty good story. Mm -hmm. Falcon and Winter Soldier for us, I think, because of our perspective, didn't hit quite as well as WandaVision <laughs> did. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But mostly, I, part partly because it was a little close to home, but also just like military was so sloppy in that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Especially the stuff in Germany. We're like, wait, no, that mm -hmm. that that just wouldn't fly here, right? Metaphorically yeah. or physically. I I I did like the. I still think the that the interactions like it. It was about the relationship between Bucky oh, and that part. Falcon. That part was and fantastic. It was good. The, the, was it like the third episode where he's like, what's your plan? And Falcon's just like, I got a plan. And he jumps out of the airplane. And then mm -hmm. Bucky does the same thing, but without a shoot, you know, super soldier. And as he's lying there on the ground after all of that, Falcon's just like, you know, I have all that on video. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, okay. It, it's yeah. those things that, yeah, got me about and it. And that, that yeah. part was great. That part was great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but the rest of it probably very stylized for anything <laughs> like, yeah. Well, yeah. And and it also just depends on where you're coming from. Is for, okay. for us, we, mm -hmm. you know, without getting too philosophical, like we, mm -hmm. clearly we've been in, in the military for a while, we're, we're, we're invested right. in it, but we also didn't quite drink all of the, the Hua Kool-Aid, as it were. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And so some of those moments in uh, in um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier were just a little too far for us. But that that's us. That's not everybody's experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, Loki is brilliant. Yes, we love Loki. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll watch him choose scenery any day. Yeah, yeah. Although now, okay, by now it's the, the season should be over by the time this airs, but mm -hmm. still not going to do any spoilers because we're only up through episode three, but I'm looking at it and I'm going, wait, there is something else going on here, and it is this is not what it seems. So I, both with, um, I forget what she calls herself, the variant Loki. Yes. Um, or uh, the other variant Loki, and... Um, and the TVA, of course, and yeah, no, I'm just... Mm -hmm. yeah. So by the time I... this actually goes out, <laughs> it will be resolved, and everybody's going to be like, either you were wrong, or damn, you were...
spot on. So. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we also have a special fondness for Lo- for this particular show because um, mm-hmm. uh, an acquaintance of ours finally got her name in the credits as an extra, so or as a standard. Oh, okay. So we're, we're very proud of her. Oh, yeah, excellent. Excellent. Yeah, so a little personal personal joy there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, yeah, you, it's, it's, yeah, all, all, anything that you're going to do that isn't kind of centered around family has to happen in the school hours. Yeah. Just out and of necessity. Yeah, and that's, that's the, the day-to-day, that's the week-to-week. And then yeah. there's this whole meta layer of dealing yeah. with being overseas and many time zones away from 99% of our loved ones and right. what the F is going to happen next, which nobody knows. Right, right, right. So uh, we're, we're typically on a three year move cycle. So we, we've been here for two years. Right. We've got another year to go. And my, my spouse is an officer. And so the, mm-hmm. the, the cycle for officers is usually about six months to a year before you move. You start looking mm-hmm. at what the options are, and you start matchmaking and reaching out to contacts. And if you can't make something happen that way or by applying mm-hmm. to a special program, then there's a matchmaking uh, platform. And <laughs> so you, you love, or the service member will log on, and they have their, um, their ORB, which is like their resume that's in the system yeah. already. And they'll get looked at by all the, the um, we'll say hiring officers. That's not the term, but mm-hmm. uh, they'll be looked at by the people who have jobs available at particular locations and they're right, ranking right. each other. And so you might rank a location or a job as number one, but if they don't rank you number one as well, you're probably not going to get it. Mm-hmm. You have a one a number one to number one match, then you're, you've got about a 90, 95% chance of going there. It's right. never certain. Right. And if you don't, well, then you have to keep shopping and hoping. And Yeah. It's like any other job hunt except very sort of specialized. Well, yes and no, because there is a t- there is a definite timeline. You know that you're going to be in this particular move cycle. And you may not know until a couple of months before you have to pack up and leave where you're heading. Or you might right. know a whole year in advance if you're lucky. Right. Um, at, and this move, uh, like fall of the, the fall before the summer we moved, we knew Uh nothing. We had, we had done the matching system. We hadn't Uh gotten any matches and then it just kept getting delayed and delayed and Uh jobs filled up and everything that was on the matching system was full and we didn't have one of those. And we didn't want to go to the default place that was being offered to us for a number of reasons, among them mm-hmm. uh, being able to be a family there and not mm-hmm. scattered in two places. But uh, it wasn't until just a couple of months before mm-hmm. a big international move that we found out, hey, you're going here. Right. And because of, again, the lower capacity of this location that we're at, we weren't able to line up housing in advance. And Ooh. so we we packed up. The movers came. We have stuff uh-huh. that is in storage back in the States that we're not going to see. We haven't seen for two uh-huh. years. We won't see for at least, at least another. We have stuff that was shipped to us in crates. Uh-huh. 
and we have the stuff that we had in suitcases. And we were in a hotel with our suitcases and each other in one room for six weeks yeah. before we had a house. Yeah. And that's that's normal. That's just part of the mm-hmm. military life. Yeah. But it is something where if you can't if you can't accept it and figure out ways to deal with it and mm-hmm. still have a full life, it you're not gonna thrive in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But side effect is, you know, if you can get that pairing early enough, then you have a lot of time to like, you know, maybe either, you know, you can do a family trip and do house hunting in advance or, you know, or line things up so that you're not, you know, so that when you get there, not only will your crates from Germany be delivered, but <laughs> your crates from the storage center will be delivered, right? Exactly. On, on and you, you hope that they're in good shape. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Um, you, you have to be comfortable both mastering a system and then giving up your mastery of it. Gotcha. And, and it all depends on where you're going and what the assignment is. Right. And we will not get into any more details on that because, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, for us, it's been rewarding. We've had some mm-hmm. really fantastic experiences. We've had some not so great ones. And we've made it through uh, a decade of marriage. One, yeah. two. Uh, he's had four deployments. I've had three that we've been through. Mm-hmm. And if you can make it yeah. through, it makes you stronger. It really strengthens mm-hmm. with the relationship. But I also yeah. have a lot of friends who are no longer in those relationships. Yeah, yeah. And most of my, I, I have the the one friend I went to high school with who is who is the military spouse. But then I look and I have a lot of friends who are ex-military, um, mm-hmm. or a friend I went to high school with who is still in the military, and she is. You know, successful, so good for her. Yeah. And a lot of it, it it's definitely skill-based, but it's mm-hmm. it's also about finding the right matches in jobs. Yeah. Your your commander can make or break your experience, not not just mm-hmm. for the service member, but also for the service member's family. Right. We've right, had right. we've had commanders who prioritized getting their soldiers out on time to be able to have dinner with their family who made sure that mm-hmm. things ended in time for folks to, to get home for holidays. We've also had right. commanders who didn't. Yeah. Yeah, it's, so, it's like any management at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it you can't quit. You signed a contract. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and uh, d- d- depending on your position, you also swore an oath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So we learned to, to write things in pencil. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have our, our wall calendar, where we can look at a glance. <laughs> but it's in pencil. I don't know for sure which days, but I, I have a general sense of which month is going to be that big trip that I'm not going on. Right. Or maybe you are. Maybe you <laughs> are. Maybe you are, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And not awesome at the same time. So I guess that means we won't see you at Worldcon. <laughs> we would be... 
if we really worked, we could make it for the last day. But. But. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we yeah. haven't seen our families in two years, so we're going to go. We're going to go see them. That's fair. Yeah. That's completely <laughs> fair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whew. All right. We are at the at the point where um, I get excited even more so. I mean, I get excited about all the questions, but now we get to the really fun ones in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um. So let's let's talk about advice. Um, what's the best advice you have been given, and or the best advice you would give someone else? I think you've probably had this one before in various forms, mm-hmm. but it boils down to you were in charge of how to react to the events and emotions in your life. Yes, and. I think that one has been true for me in all of my workplaces and also Uh this military life. I don't have control Uh over where we're heading next. I just know what I need to do for me to survive it, for our family to be healthy and happy to get through it. And making space for those reactions, Uh the emotional ones, but also Uh being able to push forward through them. Right. Yeah. I love asking that question to like um, uh, this will have aired by the by the time you do it. Uh, but people like um, Gerald Leonard, who is like management consulting and that sort of thing, is what he does. And so he's mm-hmm. like, uh, and I, I have at least one person who's coming up that will have aired by now, um, Don, who's like, look, man, this is how I make my money. But yeah. No, but it's, it, it is something that, that comes up, has has come up a couple times, and I think it, it is something really important to, re- to reinforce. You may not have, you won't always have control over a situation. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of the time you won't have control over a situation, but you always have control of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I do have one tattoo that was our my, uh, my good mom friends and my motto the whole time that we were at uh, Fort Drum. Choices were made. We translated it into Latin, made it look a little better, but uh, choices were made. And we chose to be part of this military life. We Mm -hmm. chose how to react to the situations we were handed. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're affected by the choices of other people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that that gets back to we own how we react to it. Mm All right. Ready for the next one? Sure. All right. I don't have to explain this one to you. I can just ask (laughs) it. So how do you deal with failure or when you miss a goal? As I just mentioned, I control how I react. And Mm -hmm. if I'm in a situation where I can... I will Uh step away from it, even if it's just a moment in the bathroom, and just Uh feel all the feelings. If if I've let someone down, I will have that adrenaline spike. My heart rate will go sky high. And I will Uh step back and try to just get myself in a space where I can respond to it first. Uh And then my project manager stuff kicks in. I start looking for (laughs) what's the immediate response. Is this right. something that can be made whole somehow? 
Is it something where I can improve it in a different way? Uh-huh. Do I need to make atonement for it? And right. I, I try to look at that first. You know, what, what can I do to make the immediate situation a little uh-huh. bit better? And then after whatever that has happened, whatever it is that has happened has been resolved in that way. Uh-huh. Then I start looking at, you know, what, what can I do next time? What, what can I do for my preventions? Should I do my risk register and my lessons learned? Um, a lot of times that's personal. Sometimes it's at the workplace. Uh-huh. But I think right. if you if you can't learn from it, then I'm always going to be on edge waiting for it to happen again. Yeah. And then once I have recorded that uh-huh. as a lesson learned or whatever, I then have to remind my brain the next time I'm up at 3 a.m. and I can't get to sleep. No. I wrote down. I wrote down how to uh-huh. how to get through this next time. How to prevent it. What? How to remediate it. Uh, this uh-huh. is what we're going to do. Shut up, brain. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's yeah. Um, for those of us who do lay awake at three in the morning and hash over the thing we did wrong in uh, you know tenth grade, it's you mm-hmm. know, okay having having the ability to say okay, look. We've written it down. We know how to handle that, and let's go. And and so you can let go of it now is really handy. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes you know just being able to look at your brain and go, um, that was thirty years ago, and you just needed to get over it is also another. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but uh, I think making space for the emotions. And then also addressing the logistics. It's a if I don't do right. one or the other, then I haven't handled it very well, and my brain is going to keep me up about it. Right. Got it. Oh, so good. That's. Uh, I have been pleasantly surprised over the years. I can actually say over the years now, it's really weird, <laughs> at the number of people who talk about how they used to be terrible at it and have learned to do better versus the people who are like, oh, I'm just going to go have a meltdown in the bathroom and that's it. I mean, I just can't deal with it. Um, mm-hmm. And how healthy it is goes it it is as people learn to adapt um you know it's i i don't know i don't i'm phrasing this badly but i think you know what i mean like um even over the last couple years i've i have rethought how i deal with failure myself um Mm -hmm. boiling down to these same sort of things okay figure out what it is that you know okay have your moment because you need your moment Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I think uh, everybody does. Yeah, and then uh, let's go. Uh, all right, now let's go deal with it. Go deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where I think, uh, again, putting my project manager hat on, where I think a lot of organizations mm-hmm. don't manage failure well, is mm-hmm. in that last step of the lessons learned. Right. I have led lots of debrief meetings where you know, we've we've written down this worked really well. This is what we should improve for next time. Uh-huh. And then we never revisit it. And 
that I think is the, the signature failure of a lot of project organizations is mm-hmm. you might do that final step of writing it all down, but if you don't revisit it and take it into account for that next project, it's lost. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I've watched organizations. I've been part of organizations where you go through that, um, especially in it and for lack of a better term, frontline or on call, where mm-hmm. it's all right, there's a big issue in this whole thing, and you sit down and you go over it, and you figure out the action items and lessons learned, and you're like, okay, and then you go on about it, and then like three weeks later, you go through another incident, and as you're sitting down with the at the, at the postmortem, it's the same. Like, it's the exact same takeaways, and this goes on for months because, mm-hmm. you know, there it isn't prioritized to... There's no one following up, right? We all know it needs to happen, but there's no one driving the change that needs to fix it so that every three weeks you're not having the same thing. Right? And if or you don't build it into your... Yeah. yeah. And if you don't yeah. build it into your routines and your culture and your processes, mm-hmm. then it runs the risk of getting ignored and forgotten. Yes. Yeah. Or, or, and it will, but with something like, you know, a, a, a technical problem that you see repeatedly, it's not like it's going to get ignored and forgotten. It won't get forgotten, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, you still need something to drive this change. And, uh, and that's, that's a cultural thing that needs to be fixed. And so I've, mm-hmm. you know, been like, I've, I've had organizations who are, who's, way to fix that sort of culture is okay the people who are running the system this is the devops thing right the people (laughs) who are running the system are not the people who are writing the system and so perhaps the people who are writing the system should be the people on call for the system and you know that sort of a culture shift often changes priorities around Mm -hmm. those sorts of bug fixes yeah right um, when, when I was on more of the marketing side at my non, mm-hmm. at the nonprofit I worked at, we had programs that we would run every year. Mm-hmm. They would change each year, but the same right, right. Um, baselines would be there. Right. And it drove me it, it drove me wild every time that we would come in, start up the cycle for the new year, and I would say, "Hey, can we look at the the debrief meeting from last year? We've got the notes. I've got them right here. Can we look at them?" Nope, we don't have time for that. It's not on the agenda. Right. Yeah. Can we put that on the agenda <laughs> for next year's meeting? Let's just do that. Let's start that now. Um. <laughs> nope, because we had to be agile and responsive to our marketing numbers, and uh, the analytics said we couldn't go that direction this year. It, so that yeah, no. the notes won't be usable. No, no, the, the notes aren't about the topic. The notes are about the system. But Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah. No. Whole other rant. Yeah. I, will, I will get off that whole soapbox. Yeah. But a learning organization has mm-hmm. to learn from its patterns, not just from its yes. incidents. Yes, absolutely. Or And a marketing organization needs to look at more than just the numbers. Mm-hmm. Because the numbers are only one aspect of the results. Yep. But no one wants to admit that. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, right, let's let's walk away from that one and let's think about something happier. Sure. Do you celebrate your successes and if so how? 
I try to. I think like a lot yeah. of your guests, I struggle with it. But uh, yeah. uh, as I said earlier, a lot of our calendar stuff is written in pencil. We don't know for right. sure if we'll be able to take that big celebratory trip. So right. we try to celebrate as soon as it happens. Like, mm-hmm. it'll be smaller that way. We'll, we'll go out to dinner or I'll get myself that nice ice cream cone or whatever. <laughs> right. Or I'll, I'll take myself outside and just enjoy the sunlight if it's not raining. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have, again, that, that good friend I had it for a drum. We, we have a right. almost daily chat conversation and we celebrate each other. Like, yeah, yeah. Yes, you told him what's what for in that meeting. You go, girl. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we, even if it's as simple as, hey, we survived another day with our tiny dictators. We, we, yeah. we make a point of sending that happy emoji or sharing it with someone. Yes. I've also been but pleased think, to see how many people are adding celebrations over the years. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have forgotten who the, who the guest was this summer who was working in Asana and mentioned mm-hmm. the unicorn. The little unicorn oh, 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 is so much fun. <laughs> yes, yes. God, now I can't remember who it is. That, um, that actually is what got me started using Asana because I wanted to oh. see the unicorn. I <laughs> turned in my paper, I clicked the done button, and I got a mm-hmm. unicorn, and it was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's nice when uh when when the app actually gives you something to celebrate as well, yeah. right? Yeah. Um I will also do something like if I'm grinding through uh a chapter in the textbook, I, mm-hmm. I will get to a, a good pause point and I will walk away, do five minutes of something I really enjoy before I come back. Because right. I want to train my brain to at least tolerate it, mm-hmm. if not enjoy it. And so if <laughs> if I'm building a reward in, I I will keep going. Absolutely, yeah. Get on. Oh, well, that's all the questions. Okay. Uh, and I think we've talked about, I think, all of the sort of military spouse things I had in mind. Is there anything okay. else you want to talk about in there? Or if you want, well, I don't know what you had on your list, so... I mean, we've we've talked about the sort of some of the challenges of being overseas, of, you know, the, the schedule... Since you're uh, part of, uh, on the, we'll call it the training and logistics side of things and not on the response side of things, well, it's at not... At the moment. At the moment, yeah, yeah. There's there's certainly um, a big difference between being on the response side of things. Um, a, lot, a lot less uncertainty, but there's still uncertainty because, mm-hmm. you know, there's a thing. Um, but uh, no, I think that's, yeah. that's the bulk I- of it. I think one thing that I see as a spouse is Mm -hmm. just how much the military relies on its volunteers. Right. And something that got a lot of attention during the early days of the the presence in Iraq and Afghanistan was uh, family readiness groups and family support. Mm -hmm. Those exist. There's a framework for them, but it right. really depends which unit you're in and which commander you have, mm-hmm. how much is actually invested in those resources from, from point right. to point. So I've been a volunteer with them 
in really good uh-huh. ones. We had a really good one at, at uh-huh. uh, the base that shall not be named in Fayetteville. Um, well, yes, yes. Or, sorry, the, the base that shall be renamed. And yes, 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 yes. That, that one was well-funded. They had a good volunteer structure. Uh-huh. The, the commander's family was heavily involved in it. It was a great experience. And we went through some tough times with that FRG. Uh-huh. And then at others, maybe the commander's family wasn't involved in it. Maybe they, that commander didn't have a spouse. Uh-huh. And if no one was willing to step up, then communication just didn't happen. Right. And if you have service members overseas who are facing difficult times and their family can't get a straight answer from the chain of command, uh-huh. then they're going to start reaching out on Facebook and the rumor mill will start churning and suddenly things oh, get yeah. way out of hand. And you have people panicking because they don't know for sure that their service member was not involved in whatever happened. Right. Right. So in in those cases where I am part of an FRG, then uh-huh. that becomes part of my productivity too, is keeping an eye on social media and making sure that I am, as a point of contact, that I am informed at least enough to find out the true answer, if not the complete one. Right, right. So that you're not having to deal with, you know, I mean, there's the rumor mill, and then there's the wingnut rumor mill. Mm-hmm. Yes, that the wingnut rumor mill is the exceptionally dangerous one. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, fear, uncertainty, and panic. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's also a great deal of um, judgment involved. Mm-hmm. Like, what, not just what is appropriate to share publicly, but also mm-hmm. what can my service member share with me and yeah. what can I share with his family as, because mm-hmm. I'm getting a lot more detail than they are. I've been right. around it. I've been immersed in it for 10 years. I understand it a lot more than they will. How do I translate that into terms that they will understand mm-hmm. without causing panic? Right. Yes. Okay. We're 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 going. To, I want you to sit down. And the first thing I'm going to say is, you do not need to panic. You uh-huh. do not need to be upset about this. And then still try fine. to explain it in a way that, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, get, getting the text text message from a, one of my parents saying, "Hey, can you call me?" Just like, all right, what's gone wrong? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I get that. The. Uh, and I, I think uh, that's almost a universal experience for most of us. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I've started to say, okay, this is not an emergency. That's like my first thing, this is not an emergency. Well, you know, just give me a shout when you can mm-hmm. so that there's not that moment of panic of why is this person texting me at 3 in the morning? Well, it's because when I was awake and that's what I remembered, um, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think we we opened this with a conversation about uh, the long tail and the tremendous amount of logistics that go into the army. Mm -hmm. And so much of it rides on the families. Some of us, some of us get jobs on post. Mm -hmm. We get paid for it, but not all of us do. Yeah. And that, that was actually something that I had to to navigate as we got ready to move here. There's, I am not fluent in German. I 
I cannot really go out on the market and look for a job in project management or nonprofits or IT or any of my subject matter expertise areas mm-hmm. here on the economy. Right. There aren't really any of those jobs on post because those are either already held or they're not mm-hmm. open to civilians. Right. And because of the time zone issue, I can't get a job uh, in the continental U.S., at least nothing right. that requires meetings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And most positions that would use my skills do require meetings. Oh, I am so aware. <laughs> um, the, the nice thing, I think, or at least one of the things I was appreciative of when I was a federal contractor, even if I might not have always appreciated the person who had the job, um, mm-hmm. was the sort of amount of planning that actually went into things. And Mm -hmm. there is, you know, on the IT side, on the whatever, there is a lot of, in any government organization I've been, there is a lot of, okay, here's the planning cycle for this. Um, Mm -hmm. There is almost never a surprise um, in... Like, okay, no, that, that isn't quite right, but there, there are always going to be surprises. But there is enough, like, built into the system that a project isn't going to fail in terms of time without something else being a major impact, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Certainly at that scale. Yeah. Oh, I, I remember vividly <laughs> the uh, the... That it was specced to do one a particular network setup, uh, the one city government contract I had, and <clears throat> that when it went through the hardware procurement process, the people who did the hardware procurement got a not quite as expensive but supposedly equivalent network switch. Oh no! Which and it couldn't do the thing. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, we've saved money there, but now, now we've thrown a spanner into the works of the later mm-hmm. on. But there's enough slack that we can recover from it. I'm glad you had slack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that that's that was part of it. Is they all the government plans I've seen have never been uh, quite on the same tight timelines as um, the private sector ones I've worked yes. on. Where here's your drop dead date, and if you don't meet this drop dead date, then you better be working 80 hours a week to meet that drop dead date. Um, mm-hmm. Versus the federal planning cycle, which is, all right, here's what it is, here's the plan, and, um, uh, you know, we want to be early, but if we're not mm-hmm. early, it's fine. You know, And that's versus... where the, the add 50% to your estimates comes in. Yeah, well, not always 50%, but, you know, at least so that, you know, when something goes wrong, it's not a, a, a derailment of the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, as I mentioned, my, my previous organization was not so mature on project mm-hmm. management. And I came out of the, the PMP class fresh with ideas. And I started talking about right. estimates and Slack. And nobody understood mm-hmm. what I was talking about. I ended up yeah. uh, using the metaphor of the crumple zone. Like, th- this is the part okay. that can crash safely without impacting mm-hmm. the project. If it gets past yeah. this point, then we're in danger. 
But this part, this is designed to crumple. Mm -hmm. This is all the slack in the schedule we're going to use up. Uh, or, you know, I've been I, I've been thinking repeatedly about the discussion with um, Sigurd mm -hmm. about failing safe and yes. what that means and how that, you know, reacts with other things and just, you know, it's the same sort of thing. Like, if the project's going to fail, let's fail safely and not mm -hmm. spectacularly and take out half the business with us, with it, right? It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I... I was on one mega project where mm -hmm. our the, the our department head was not relaying relevant information to higher ups, mm -hmm. and the project started to fail. And we yep. that person had not been managing expectations. The project did not fail safely. People were right. let go, and mm -hmm. not not building those expectations into the communications or mm -hmm. talking about what our contingency plans were yep. threw everybody into the bonfire. Yeah. Um, uh, who was it that called that a watermelon project? Green on the outside and red on the inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you said before we started, when I asked that you had more than one charity. Ooh, yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, since we're on the theme of military life, I will say uh -huh. that uh, probably my, my top charity would be the Armed Services YMCA. Uh -huh. And specifically, I've benefited from them because they, they do all sorts of programs for families, whether or not the service member is deployed. But uh, they, they offered daycare uh -huh. when there was no other daycare opportunity for us. They offered parents nights out when we couldn't get babysitters and oh, okay. so much useful stuff for military families. Mm -hmm. um, the other one I would say is uh, Fisher house. Uh, if you're not familiar with them, they provide lodging at major military medical facilities for mm -hmm. the families of wounded service members. So if you'll pardon the phrasing, the wrong McDonald house, our military families. Kinda, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um and mm -hmm. I, I also like both of them because they're they're very as someone who came out of nonprofits, they're very transparent right, in right. where their funding goes and who's benefiting from it. So those are the right. two military linked ones that I would offer. And for mm -hmm. those who aren't comfortable supporting military charities, I totally understand right, that. Right. I'm yes. also gonna shout out uh, Feeding America. Because if you do, oh, yeah. if you can't donate to your local food bank, we can't because we're located overseas, um, and they they have blockers on PayPal. Uh, oh, yeah. We give to Feeding America <laughs> because then your dollar mm -hmm. goes so much further with their their warehousing right. and auction system. Huh. Yeah, and and we're big on food security. People. Yes. yes. <laughs> if you don't want to feed people. If you don't want to feed um, people, then I will also ask to look for your local wildlife rehab center. Yes. Especially with the, the droughts and the fires out west where I'm from. Uh, my, my childhood <laughs> one was the ohiraptorcenter.org. They, they've brought in all sorts of critters from the, the fires that have threatened my family. And then the, the, with the Lindsay Wildlife Center in the Bay Area yeah. is also doing good work. Yeah, and then, I mean, we have the uh, Carolina Raptor Center over in Charlotte, mm -hmm. um, which is, 
absolutely amazing. So yeah. Yeah. But I, I suppose I do have to apologize to Shepard for supporting the people who support owls. You know, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was just watching a um, uh, a have you have you seen? I don't know what his TikTok channel is specifically. His YouTube is Hood Nature. Oh, and. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and he had just <laughs> done one on owls and why owls are evil. And I, you know, uh, Ursula and I are just both looking and going, yeah, okay, that, that tracks. That all tracks. Yeah, that checks um, out. We we still think they're awesome, but, you yeah. know, it all checks out. Um, <laughs> let me make a note, because I bet, you know, I don't know how many... I, I don't know if I've talked about my absolute love of hood nature and this this guy who's doing... Uh, Dev definitely throw that link in there. He's good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He just did a thing on um, on uh, Spoonbill Storks. Mm. Uh, it is just... I will have to look that one up. They're so yeah. good. Yeah, especially the one from Australia with the mullet. Uh, Creepy predator muppets. Yes. Yes, absolutely. All right, where can we find you online? If you're comfortable sharing. If you're not comfortable sharing, we can just say no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I... I've actually been keeping my social media pretty tight, but mm. uh, I am on Twitter, um, Jack Lopet. Um, mostly I retweet. I don't do a lot of original content right now, but uh, hoping to get back into writing and sharing in the next couple of years. Cool. All right. And then Thank I can send so you much. links and spellings. Please send me links and spellings. <laughs> so much spelling. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. At, at least the days are mostly gone where I write a blurb and somebody's like, dude, you need to go fix that. Oh, um, oh, shit. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> mostly. Oh, all right, now, uh, thank you so much. This has been just so much fun. You're welcome. I've really enjoyed it, too. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, and, uh, and as usual, anytime you want to come back, you just say the word. Sure. I'll drop you a line when yeah. we find out where we're going next. Right on. Be exciting. And uh, for the people at home, we'll be right back after uh, this. I had such a great time talking to Cindy, and I have a whole bunch of links to put into the show notes uh, that I'm going to do after we're done recording and probably have dinner and while we're watching Centaur World. Um, or what if, I haven't decided which we're, we're watching first. All that being said, um, you can go to productivityalchemy.com and enter a word to get a badge. And this week's word is Bavaria. That is the region yes. that Cindy and her husband are deployed to. Um, and, you know, sounds pretty cool. Uh, and I want to visit Bavaria someday. So 
Great, Bavaria is our word. You can go to productivityalchemy.com. You put it in to the little box that says put your badge code in here and ta-da, you will get a badge. And, and you can learn all about badges and how they work and what they're for and why you want them also at Productivity Alchemy. Yes, yeah. But you don't need to click on the support link. I mean, you could if you wanted to, but we are doing great. We are yes. fine. We have money. Uh, we we. I mean, we're not lighting our cigars with hundred dollar bills or anything, but no. we're fine. Yeah, the, the, I, we're not desperate for chicken feed or anything like that. Yes. So, uh, Cindy has requested that you support the armed service, the uh, um, armed services YMCA, um, the Fisher House lodging for families at military hospitals. Because the military doesn't pay for families to be near each other when a service member is injured. Yeah, so that's um, the kind of thing that mm -hmm. yeah that, that yep. And the the armed the the spouse and partner and whatever part of the military runs basically on volunteers, so which is why the armed services YMCA and things like the Fisher House are really important. If you're not comfortable giving to those, and I understand you might not be comfortable giving to the, those. The, the, uh, mm -hmm. The military is fraught in many ways, as we will all acknowledge. Yes. And I say this is a Navy brat. Yeah. Um, Feeding America is an alternate. Uh, great charity. Feed people. I love feeding people. Uh, local Your local wildlife rehab center. Uh, and in particular, the Lindsay Wildlife Rehab Center in the Bay Area. Um, that's where Cindy's kind of originally from. So, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Well, yeah. And that is... You know, that's all that. Um, please go support all of these worthy or causes. Or any of these. Or any of these, yes. yes. Not all, any, some, one, yeah. many, whatever. Um, I'll put these all in the show notes so you can just link directly to them. And that's that. So, hey, uh, we're at two, a, a little over two and a half hours now. We should probably wrap this so up. So we should wrap this up. And I just want to remind everybody uh, that, you know, you're doing great. Uh, I know it's been a rough time and Pure, indeterminate period of time encompassing years. Yes. Yeah. Um, but we got this Wait, We're, and, we're still here and yeah, we're still here. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that's the important thing. And even if it seems a little dark or it's getting a little brighter, the thing you can probably do is, uh, Stay productive. Whatever and, that looks like. And positive. Yes. Right? I know that one's hard too, but... Honestly, I, I feel like staying positive is productive. Some days. Yes. Some days. 